they continued to ignore all the dismal shit they had to say about, you know, mortality and random chance. And what we inadvertently created, or advertently created, I don't know, was a system where those inclined to only hear the answers they wanted could switch back and forth between science and religion as they needed. More and more, in fact, that came to define religion's role in society. Some of the questions we ask have really scary answers that people would rather not dwell on. So religion's role increasingly became coming up with easy, satisfying, and ideally untestable answers to sub in. When you didn't like the answers that science gave you, you turned to religion. Now, the idea was that the questions we'd be subbing in religious answers for were mostly going to center around death and what comes afterwards. But apparently the American right is so full of snowflakes that answers like, yeah, man, you got to get the fucking shot were enough to trigger the backup plan. And that's where we are now. When the religious leader says, change your mind on vaccines, the people change their mind on religious leaders. And why the fuck wouldn't they? When the guy whose job is to tell you what you want to hear doesn't tell you what you want to hear, why the hell wouldn't you fire him? They're talking about your Jesus. interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Pfizer and Moderna, the Mike Johnson and Johnson. He then writes Neil Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to inoculate? No, I'd like to thank you for not making me the Johnson and Johnson, even though it would be a far more accurate comparison. Really appreciate yeah, it sounded that. Yeah, weird. Just metaphor. I feel like the, the ivermectin of the group, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to give all the horse parasites listening a minute to deal with that revelation. So we're going to pause for a quick word from our first sponsor this week. My sheets rock. And that's when we take the ridge. Well, you mean the pillows? Yes, I mean the pillow. There's a ridge. Hey, guys. What's with the uh, military get up? Oh, hey, Noah. Heath is just helping me with the war for the air conditioner. The war for the air conditioner. Yeah. You see. Anna is a cold sleeper and I'm a hot sleeper, so we're just constantly battling over where to set the air conditioner in our room. But thanks to Heath here, this is going to get settled once and for all. Well, Eli, if you're a hot sleeper, why don't you just try the regulator sheets from My Sheets Rock? What are the regulator sheets from My Sheets Rock? They're designed specifically to keep hot sleepers cool and cold sleepers comfortable. They regulate temperature, wick moisture, stay breathable, and are so soft you'll sleep comfortably every night. That's because these sheets are made from best-in-class bamboo rayon. The holy grail of sheeting. This miracle material transfers body heat two times more effectively than regular sheets and reduces humidity by 50% so you can experience your best night's sleep yet. Yeah, they're pretty great. My Sheets Rock actually sent us a set to try when they became a sponsor, and they are my favorite sheets now. Wow, that does sound good. But Noah... What if I don't believe you? Don't believe me? Their five-star customer reviews speak for themselves. Plus, they offer a 90-day risk-free trial and free shipping and returns. Check out MySheetsRock at MySheetsRock.com slash scathing and enter our code scathing for 10% off and free shipping. All right, Noah, thanks. I'm in. Oh, good. Because besides, don't you think the whole military siege thing would be a bit much for your wife? Oh, not at all. She has a trebuchet. Oh, okay. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, ever since the book came out, we've been way too focused, as Heath might have mentioned, on the various ways that religion is ruining our global pandemic. So I figured we could start this week's headline with a bit of an olive branch by highlighting some of the stuff that religious leaders are doing to ameliorate the crisis. Like, for example, dying of COVID midway through their <laughs> COVID is fake tirades. I have I have multiple stories here. So that brings us first to the story of Christian radio host Jimmy DeYoung Sr., who, in addition to putting senior in his name like it was a fucking honorific, died of COVID last Sunday after spending months discouraging his listeners from getting the vaccine. 
Oh, man, you got to watch out for that new irony variant. That gotcha. <laughs> the title's a little misleading, but right, that yeah. is how they got you. <laughs> so, yeah, DeYoung has spent the better part of a year railing about the connection between the COVID vaccine and the mark of the beast, attributing the genesis of his concerns to such reliable and credible authorities as some people, an email in my inbox, and social media. Oh, all of them. Yeah, all three agree that the vaccine rollout lines up pretty well with apocalyptic prophecy. For example, and this is a real example that he uses in one of his tirades, if you assume that he's right and it's all a secret ploy by the devil using false signs and wonders, the part in Thessalonians about the Antichrist using false signs and wonders lines up exactly. Oh, those are the same words. Exactly, right. And based on no more logic than that, he concluded that the true Christian should avoid the vaccine at all costs. And Beers hoping it was one of the people that believed him that originally coughed the fucking virus down his stupid goddamn maw. <laughs> okay, I like how he was picturing Satan, the Prince of Darkness, presenting a vaccine like he's a fucking carnival barker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Check out the Wonder Tonic vaccine. Only a nickel. Only okay. a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like that because he doesn't know how the vaccine works. It's literally magic. Yep. Right. right. There are the two categories, things he understands and literal fucking magic. Devil magic. But he's not the only religious leader accidentally making our point for us this week. While he didn't have the courtesy to die in time for this recording, as of now, anti-vax Cardinal Raymond L. Burke has been hospitalized with COVID after a year-plus campaign to convince people not to take the pandemic so goddamn seriously. Now... Like I said, Burke isn't dead, but he is on a ventilator, which is no nice. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. No whammies, whammies. Whammies. Uh, look, whatever you got to shove down his throat to keep him from repeating life-threatening <laughs> conspiracies, I'm I'm okay with that. A whammy would be him living, I guess, in, in Illinois. Okay, head, all right, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. But according to his Twitter account, thousands of people are praying for him. So, it seems like either God doesn't exist or we're wasting a fucking ventilator, God's on it. Right? It feels like an unprayed for atheist should get that shit. Or at least somebody who wasn't on COVID's side until the day he was admitted to the goddamn hospital. <laughs> and Greg Abbott just got COVID. Isn't that it, lovely? Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> it's a great day for the irony variant. It is killing it. <laughs> and in Islamabad, news bears news. <laughs> I know the right wing of our government has, at least partially, moved on from blaming Muslims to blaming trans people, masks, and... I don't know, college education for everything wrong with the world. But for the record, Islam, the religion, still sucks a tremendous amount of ass. Tremendous, yeah. In a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. From its holy book to the countries where it's in power, bat shittery just as dangerous as the Old and New Testament is sure to follow. And we got a nice little throwback reminder of that this week when an eight-year-old boy in Pakistan became the youngest person in the history of the country to be charged with blasphemy. In the history of the country. Yeah. That's interesting. It makes it sound like some other country holds the record that's less than eight. Yeah. And Pakistan makes fun of those, like, backwards yokels who jail a seven-year-old. Like, <laughs> or or are jealous of them, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, look, I know that the message they're trying to send isn't our God is such a fragile little pansy he can't handle an insult war with a third grader, but I'll be damned if I know what it is they're trying to send. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Send something. Yeah, so according to reports, the boy, who is Hindu, is charged with intentionally urinating on a rug in the library of an Islamic religious school, which may be true, I don't know. But whether he pissed on the carpet on purpose or not, 
I think we can all agree he didn't do it with the intention of insulting the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. probably not. I know he's only eight, but it did really tie the room together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. yeah right. So, as a result, <laughs> the eight-year-old child was held in jail for a week. He and his family have fled into protective custody, and perhaps most ironically, an angry mob vandalized a Hindu temple in retribution. Yeah. But... We're not charged with blasphemy. Side note, the punishment for blasphemy in Pakistan is death. And more than a week after this kid's release, not a single government authority involved in this case has said that murdering a child is off the table. Okay, so the government is like, I'm rubber and you're glue and we murder you now. Yeah, pretty much. I'm growing up in the government. And in abstinence news tonight. Fantastic. Joshua Harris, thank you, is a fantastic exemplar of how far evangelical pastor is from getting it. Like, like Harris has taken several very public steps towards getting it, but we learned this week that he still isn't even close enough to see what it is. And we learned that when the guy who got rich selling purity culture only to publicly denounce it later offered to help people who were harmed by religious sexual prudery for money. Really? <laughs> yes. He apologized for selling everybody poison for all those years and offered to make it up to them by selling them the antidote. Selling the antidote, yeah. And that would be sex, right? Right, yeah. He's, he's selling the concept of sexual intercourse as an antidote. <laughs> he's like, all right, thank you all for coming to the class. And then he just stands in the center of the room and yells, fuck, like he's trying to start a food fight. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, for those of you unfamiliar... That doesn't work, by the way, the yelling fuck thing in the no, middle of it doesn't. doesn't work. No, Harris... I'm not allowed back to that hospital fundraiser yep, yep, we ever know, again. We know. You told us a bunch yeah. of times. Mm-hmm. So, so is Andrew. So, Harris burst onto the evangelical scene with his 1997 book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and his 2000 follow-up, Boy Meets Girl, Say Hello to Courtship, where he urged readers to forego dating in favor of courtship, a synonym that he imbued with all kinds of new meaning, including bringing your parents along on dates. The book was held up by critics as a prime example of benevolent sexism and promotes rape culture by treating women like property and urging them to be sexually passive. Uh, And the critiques were so convincing, by the way, that ultimately they convinced the author himself, who in 2018 apologized for ever having written it. He also asked the publisher to stop publishing it, and they're like, Dude, we haven't done a production run in 15 years. Sure, yeah, man, we'll not do <laughs> All that. right, we're going to shut Stop down the, the press factory. Yeah. Uh, a year later, he announced <laughs> that he was divorcing his wife and his holy father, stating in a 2019 interview that he no longer considered himself a Christian. And though he didn't go quite as far as using the A word, he did say that he didn't believe in God anymore. Yeah, that's the drag about becoming an atheist. When you switch over to our side, you have to start confronting the shitty things you did. It's it's way worse than Christianity. Yeah, they right. Do. Exactly, where they do the opposite. So he seemed to be heading in the right direction for a minute there. But last week he learned that he was launching a $275 five-week course called Reframe Your Story for people who are, in his words, unpacking and rethinking the religious rules. In other words for people who were harmed by the bullshit that he got rich selling. And and to get out in front of the charging for the factory recall feel of the whole thing, he said that there would be a full scholarship for anyone harmed by his previous books because I I, I guess he thought that acknowledging that he knew how fucked up this was somehow made it less fucked up. All right, so the 
former KKK Grand Wizard is offering a scholarship to Howard University. That's it, right. Confusing. <laughs> yeah. Now, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> to Harris's credit, once he saw the online backlash to the pitch, he ultimately decided not to offer the course. And forgive my cynicism, but in the statement where he announced he was canceling it, he also admitted that virtually everybody who responded wanted the free, like, this is your fault version, and only four people had signed up for the paid version. So, yeah, it does have a bit of a discontinue publishing 15 years after the last production run feel to it, but <laughs> one way or the other, he did forego 1100 whole dollars for this because he felt guilty about ruining people's lives for two generations, and I'm pretty sure that puts him near the top of most moral thing an evangelical pastor ever went on to do. So at least he's got that going for him. Go, yeah. go Josh Harris. And in bad luck, Charlie News. As a rule here on The Scathing Atheist, we try not to make fun of the crazy bullshit random religious assholes say. Unless it's Youth Pastor and our Employee of the Month, Matt Powell. But oh, yeah. generally, we try to avoid rando screaming at a school board meeting. But sometimes, the rando is just too wacky, and the screaming is just too batshit to exist. Which is why we're going to talk about X. Disney Channel actress Lee Allen Baker's comments at a Tennessee school board meeting this week. All right, so I, I feel like I need to clarify that the word random, doing a lot of work there in Eli's Prohibition. Like, like all we do ultimately is make fun of the crazy bullshit that religious assholes say. We just generally insist that they have an audience, like, at least as big as ours leading up to it. Or our Matt Powell. Or, Matt or Powell, our Matt Powell. Yeah. Powell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, thank you. Now, if Miss Baker's name sounds familiar to you, that's because she played the mom on the Disney Channel original TV show, Good Luck Charlie. Oh, she's the mom in Good Luck Charlie. Yeah, she's the mom in Good Luck Charlie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess Teddy should have made one more tape about making sure that mom doesn't hove on down to the local school board meeting, because here's what Miss Baker had to say. Quote, I wanted to tell you that I have two vaccine injured children. And they have medical exemptions because after the seizures and the hospitalizations, after all of their immunizations, I was granted, obviously, a medical exemption. So my children are those rare children that will not be able to get the vaccine. End quote. Hey, quick side note. No, I don't believe her. <laughs> Absolutely not. It is 2021. Lying. I'm going to go ahead and assume statistically that everyone who says they or someone they know our vaccine injured are lying. And the point zero 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 one percent of the time that I'm wrong, I'll feel a little bit bad about it. But this, that's my new policy. That's my okay, new policy. Sure. Clearly a lie. But even if she's telling the truth, that means both her kids had a vaccination. It led to seizures and a trip to the hospital for both of them. And then she had them get a few more vaccines to be sure about that right, pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got more seizures and more hospitalizations. And now she's drawing the line at COVID. Yeah. But look, I, I know this math is imperfect here, but look, pre-COVID, the U.S. was administering over a quarter of a billion vaccine doses a year, and the total number of petitions for compensation for vaccine injury were about 1,200 a year, way up from five, six years earlier. Like The overwhelming majority of those are dismissed. Even if they were all legit, they would be about one, check my math here, Heath, they would be about one half of one thousandth of one percent. Yep. And she had two kids in that category. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay dismissing this as foolish. Well, Noah bones. said squared is the chance. Yeah, exactly. She's not lying. <laughs> fraction, the tiny fraction squared. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. 
Anyway, continuing, quote, and still, I would never put them in a mask because their brain needs oxygen to grow, what? which neurologists can confirm. Wait, what? Well, citation needed. <laughs> I would like to know what neurologist said oxygen is important. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> she continued, anyway, the real part of the clown show is that you all think you actually have the authority to mandate this because, um... There are these books that I have, and I have them as a gift for you. The Constitution and the what? Declaration of Independence, the <laughs> Bill of Rights. Totally, totally and different get thing. ready for it, Heath. <laughs> the Federalist Papers. Wait, wait, there's more. And also the Bible. <laughs> yeah, no, no, those are some great novels of fiction to read. Just like 1984. <laughs> cool fictional novels of fiction. Read them. Wow. Papers is in the name of one of the... It's not... <laughs> she concludes, and these guarantee my freedom and yours and our children's to breathe oxygen, end quote. It does. That is that is in the Bill of Rights. So, so wait a minute. <laughs> what does she think those of us wearing masks are breathing then? <laughs> <laughs> nitrogen. So, She's a chemist. She knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. Lot to unpack there. That said, it was nice of Miss Baker to give out free books, so I'd like to return the favor with a digital copy of the Opening Arguments podcast, all the episodes, and free air, which I am pleased to inform her is what you breathe even through a mask. Yeah, so that's that's, that's for you, lady. No. That Opening Arguments podcast is a really good book, by the way. Yeah, I very love good. reading that book. Very good book. And because she's dumb enough to think that air requires postage, I think this is a great time for us to pause for a word from our second sponsor, Stamps.com. <laughs> no, dude, you got to look more formal. What does that mean, look more formal? You solemn, you know? So solemn? solemn. Yeah, guys, what's with the camera and the outfits? Are you, you going to make a Hamilton adult movie parody again? Because we talked about this, guys. Disney is not giving us those rights. All right. First of all, you wouldn't even make the call, so we have no yeah. idea if that's true. Secondly, I, no, we're making our own stamps. Going to make some pictures of Heath, dressed as George Washington, do a little printing, little glue. Boom. Saved ourselves the hassle of going to the post office. Guys, if you want to skip the hassle of going to the post office, why don't you just use stamps.com? Wait, wait, wait. What's stamps.com? Stamps.com brings the same U.S. postal and UPS shipping services right to your computer. They make it easy for small businesses to mail and ship without needing to take a trip to the post office. Print official U.S. postage and shipping labels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. We actually use Stamps.com to send out all our Patreon rewards, and as long as you have remembers to send the names to Lucinda, Stamps.com makes it a breeze. Oh, that reminds me, I have to send her those. I didn't. You say. sure do. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code SCALING, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SCALING. That's stamps.com, promo code SCALING. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, Heath, looks like we dressed you up as George Washington for no reason again. Yeah, this is the third time in a month. I know. Our wooden teeth budget is out of control. Okay. It's ridiculous. You just stop throwing them away. Maybe we'll do something with them. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate race. It's a slut, right? Hey, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. This week's segment starts in Ireland, and that tells you a frightening amount about the subject, doesn't it? 
As soon as I said the word Ireland, you knew this was going to be a story about the Vatican coming after somebody's uterus. And you weren't wrong. So Ireland, in case you're listening, and we know you are, big fans of the show, as we go through this first story, I want you to reflect on the fact that that is what you're known for. Anyway, so let me give you the details as I understand them. The state is dedicating some 800 million euros to a new national maternity hospital, which will serve low-income mothers and their young children, as well as women with high-risk pregnancies. The problem is that to do so, they're partnering with the Catholic Church. Or rather, they're partnering with a level of Russian nesting dolls within the Catholic Church with just enough plausible deniability to make the sources of this confusing as fuck. But the fear among secular activists is that the deal currently being brokered is going to allow the Catholic Church to have a say in the running of said hospital. Look, there are a lot of reasons you don't want the Catholic Church involved with women and young children, and it's not just the young children half of the equation. The major fear now is that they're going to get in the way of reproductive rights. There are nominal assurances that all services possible under the law will be available at the hospital, but that doesn't mean the church can't put its thumb on the scale and make abortion hard as ever love and hell to obtain. But surprisingly, not all the abortion news is bad this week. I wanted to highlight an op-ed I saw recently from unofficial statistician of the scathing atheist, Ryan Birch. And the title of the piece kind of says it all. Abortion just isn't the motivating issue for evangelicals it once was. In the article, Birch points to a recent study from the Public Religious Research Institute where they asked a number of Americans where they think the government's priorities should be. And the only thing that ranked lower than abortion among white evangelicals was motherfucking gun control. In fact, fewer than 30% said they thought enacting anti-abortion laws should be a top priority for the government. Of course, this is twim, so even the good news has bad news nested in it. While abortion has been losing importance on the evangelical priority list, it's being replaced with shit like immigration reform. So it's not that they've stopped being bigots. It's that they're parceling out their bigotry in a different way. But still, that's as good as you can really hope for in terms of misogyny-related good news. So we'll wrap things up there, and I'll hand you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. Next up in headlines, we have a story about cat... Kerr. Oh, always a treat. Yeah, always a treat indeed. <laughs> she works at a prophecy firm as a prophet, for those who aren't familiar. And her job is apparently going to heaven on little half-day trips and sure. telling a story about it later. Apparently, people pay her to do this. And much like pastors who speak in tongues are going to run out of noises to make at a certain point, she's running out of heaven stuff to talk about and now she's just making shit up the morning it's due really bad homework and that includes (laughs) last week when she was like heaven has volcanoes but uh okay but the fun kind and because you ride lava (laughs) okay see now this is why i needed the big addendum on crazy bullshit religious assholes say earlier i wanted to make sure that yeah were... no, no makes sense makes sense <laughs> and i gotta admit i'm getting a little sympathetic to cat care like she has to describe heaven for a living and she can't use drugs or sex okay yeah. i'm amazed she's gone as long as she has Fair. yeah she's going longer than perry stone with made up syllables you went straight to la it was like your second one and then the rest was just all la wow So many phonemes, man. Okay, so (laughs) we learned about the 
heaven volcanoes during Kat Kerr's appearance on a YouTube show called Elijah List with Steve Schultz. And uh, here's what we learned from K-Dubs. Quote, there's rain in heaven. There's absolutely nothing destructive. There's what? no earthquakes. Now, there are volcanoes, but they're for entertainment. Oh. They're for fun. You get to ride the lava out. What? And right after she said, ride the lava out, even Steve Schultz started to check out. <laughs> he, he has, to be clear, a YouTube channel about stupid fucking heaven stories. That's his job. Mm -hmm. And he was like, come on, cat, really? Ride out the, do the homework <laughs> earlier. But she continued, it's not a physical volcano that God took from the earth. And put it up there. What? So cool. You know, that answers my question. <laughs> it's a spiritual world, she continued. The land, air, everything there is spiritual, but it has substance. It's a literal volcano, but it wouldn't harm you. And yes, what? people can go inside and they ride the lava out for a ride is apparently what I'm saying. For this <laughs> they story. ride it out End for quote. a ride. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the the best part of it is Schultz like visibly pining for the days when she was only medium crazy. <laughs> it's yep. great his reaction. I like that she thought we were gonna call her out on it if she said it was a real volcano from Earth. Right. Like that's what would make it <laughs> stop adding volcano? up for us, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Are you saying God took a volcano from the Earth and just like put it up there? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, she's so covering spiritual, it. Sorry, withdrawn. Spiritual withdrawn volcano. Okay. And in blanket statement news. Christian con man, convicted con man, and hey, it's been a while since I threw this one out there. Rapist Jim Baker never seems to run out of ways to get your money. Whether it's silver juice that turns you blue and doesn't cure your COVID, a plant with which you can make your own COVID <laughs> cure because he got in trouble for that last yeah. thing, or most recently a card that calls you a credentialed minister if you buy a bunch of his books. Well, this week... He's laying it all out there because for just $1,000, he will give you a miracle blanket that will pay off your bills and your mortgage. What? Really? Just pay your bills right off. It's weird that he would be selling those off. I mean, I'd hold on to those if I had a $5 million bill with the IRS outstanding. <laughs> right? yeah. I, I, there is literally no warehouse mix-up or shipping accident that can slow this motherfucker down, right? Like, I, look, I get he's detestable in every possible way, but the way this guy can pivot from seeds to degrees to blankets without ever changing his pitch, you got to admit, that is kind of impressive. <laughs> yep. What does yep. that warehouse look like? That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the returns department of a Home Depot. <laughs> so here's the quote. I'm going to reiterate that I want you, when you order this $1,000, to do it in faith, to sow that $1,000 seed in faith, believing that this is part of your seed into the kingdom of God. You're doing something for the kingdom of God. We're sending out miracles happen blanket. Sick. Sleep under <laughs> it or do what you want with it. Hang it on the wall. And at this point, his co-host jumps in and adds, again, real quote, lay it over your bills because... What? Healing of your finances. Put your wallet in there. Would like physically like have your paper bills printed out and then put them on yeah, a blanket. Yeah. yeah, listen to this. Put your wallet in there, your credit cards, all the bills, you know, the mortgage. Put it on there. We're having houses paid off this week. 
last month and this month, and I'm like, hallelujah, end quote. <laughs> you know, honestly, okay, the fact that none of their suggestions involved eye holes in a hood is better than I expected with them. Yep, that's, that's a win. That's yeah. a win. Yeah. Yep. And finally tonight, Matt Saver with one T has not died of COVID yet. Oh, so I think we can all agree that prayer does not work. <laughs> the main reason he's still alive, it's probably the vaccine he got and is pretending he didn't get. Right. Just like almost every single Republican member of Congress. And Saver continued with his vaxxed but anti-vax propaganda last week, announcing that the COVID vaccine is designed by the Illuminati for population control by making everyone sterile. Like, again, with the so-and-so isn't dead opening. Do, stop depressing people. Listen, listeners, we don't know that Matt Staver isn't dead. Thank you. Right? They, like, they wouldn't oh, report on it right it. away, like that minute. We don't know when you're listening to this. I, like, I'm saying there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to pretend he got his penis ripped off by a revolving door and bled to death when I'm sad. <laughs> and you don't know that oh, you're not right. My go-to. You don't. Everybody <laughs> take a second and just picture that a few times. Really? And then rewind it. Picture, it's funny there's in a the rewind. Cart when involved. the penis gets like yeah, put just, back on in the rewind, it's really funny looking. <laughs> it's ripped, but then it's, it's like it's magical. It just jumps up there. <laughs> All right. So according to Staver, the whole vaccine thing is a secret plot for depopulation and part of a, quote, bigger global agenda. This all happened during a live stream hosted by World Prayer Network. So the first question was probably something like, so you're saying it's the Jews? Yeah, that's yeah. that. <laughs> but a producer, I guess, caught that at the last second and went to a different question. Somebody asked, and almost quote here, but um, isn't that stupid? Because Trump took the vaccine, Bill Gates took the vaccine, the fuck are you talking about? And Staver responded, this is an exact quote, I don't know whether Bill Gates got it. I don't recall seeing anybody injecting his arm, and if he did, who knows what they were putting in it. Bill Gates is definitely a social Darwinianist. What? Like Adolf Hitler, like Margaret Sanger, like Rockefeller, like the Carnegie Institute, like Henry Ford. So it's an interesting list. <laughs> they were all Darwinianists, social Darwinianists. It's just you Darwinist is the same word. Just use the shorter one if they're both words. Anyway, he, he finished by saying they believed in evolution, end quote. All right. Like, I'm not saying we knew that Matt Staver's issue with Hitler was that Hitler believed in evolution before he admitted to that. But I am saying we'd probably have guessed right if you'd asked us, if anybody had bothered to ask. <laughs> okay, here's my question. Why the Carnegie Institute and not the right? guy? I didn't. Does, does he think Illuminati <laughs> genocide was more of a board decision when it comes to Carnegie? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm overruled, I'm overruled. All right. <laughs> you know, it's actually called the Carnegie Institute. Shut up. Nobody likes you. <laughs> and from there... Staver started asking himself questions, and he got super confused. He said, if vaccines actually make you live longer, why would you then say people need vaccines? <laughs> and then there's a long pause for him to start making shit up what? his own sure. question. Yep. He's like, well, it's because they affect reproduction. The vaccines go to certain concentrated places. <laughs> it has very high concentration in the ovaries. And then he panicked again, just a long pause to decide if he should uh, keep going, do a seminar about menstruation and sexually transmitted vaccine herpes here. And he's like, yep, 
I am going to do that. <laughs> Continuing. What we're seeing with women is missed menstrual cycles. Two menstrual cycles a month. Heavy bleeding, painful menstrual cycles. We're even seeing that with people who haven't had the shot, but have been in close proximity to those who have. Start asking women in your reaches. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> with the phrasing. In Jesus. y'all's place of business. What the fuck? That's that's absolutely super villain speak, right? That's the only category of people that have reached. You, I almost can't say it without mwahaha. Yeah. <laughs> he literally says this. Start asking women in your reaches, mwahaha. It may be a sensitive situation, but just ask them. Don't ask After being in close contact <laughs> ask with somebody who's had the shot, have you experienced any rashes? Yes. <laughs> don't ask what? Yes. Yeah, do don't ask him that, but he continues. <laughs> Just ask him two questions, actually. Please do. Two questions. Rashes or bleeding? And I can guarantee that you'll be surprised at how many women will come back and say, oh, my, that's why my cycle is all messed up. End exact quote. I would be surprised if that was the response to any of the from any of the women in my reaches. So, okay, the <laughs> fact that it doesn't only happen to people who got the vaccine is evidence that you're right. Like, <laughs> like, look, because person who's been around, person who's been vaccinated, that's everyone in America at this point. <laughs> okay, so now we know all we need to do is trick Matt Staver into a woman's MMA gym. And just let nature and his own natural <laughs> curiosity take its course. Yeah, that would be great. Win, 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 win. Absolutely. Also, one other thing. If we have anyone with ovaries in our reaches, <laughs> by any chance. Y'all got any rashes? Send us a pic. Yeah. Don't. If any of those people in our reaches, Matt Staver is looking for evidence. You should send him whatever you're thinking that might help with that evidence gathering. Not as an illegal prank. Because that would be illegal. Serious right. evidence only that's right. legal. Whoo! All right. So while the folks at Stamps.com pat themselves on the back for buying ad slot two instead of ad slot three this week, we're going to close the <laughs> headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Yahtzee! And when we come back, Tom and Cecil will be here to help us form Insult Voltron one last asterisk time. You know, we've been picking away at the 2019 Vulgarity for Charity roast for so long, I'm almost going to miss them when they're gone, except no, I fucking won't, because holy uh, shit, we are damn near two-thirds of the way through 2021, but we're legitimately almost done. This should be actually the final installment of Vulgarity for Charity on Scathing Atheist. Yeah. <laughs> Part Till November. Part one. Part one. <laughs> well, yeah, right, right, exactly, yeah. Above 2019's. Oh, and, okay, God. and to help us, of course, knock this out, we're joined by Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance. Tom and Cecil, welcome back. Oh, man. If I want to be done now. If this is a two-year-old car lease, we would be over miles. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Keith, you're going to start us out. The category is roasts we still have left. Sure. Um, sure. Kind of hard to set. They don't really at this point. Okay, so Daniel wants you to roast his twin sons, Ryan and Mark. Uh, okay. Hey, Ryan and Mark, uh, quick thing. Feels awkward to be the one to tell you, but... uh. You are not twins. Your parents are lying. 
You're absolutely <laughs> not twins. Not even close. You look like a weird sitcom about a Nazi kid and a Jewish kid and the wacky shenanigans. <laughs> you are not related. I'd watch it. I'd watch that. Right? The Heil Life of Zach and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Cecil, you're up. Zyklon, next. Beavis, and Butthead. I'm there done. you go. Oh, there it is. Nice. They actually so look good. like Beavis and Butthead. So good. Oh, go. Perfecting Schindler's List. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cecil, you're up next. Don wants you to insult some random guy from Facebook. Okay, so this is a random picture of a deer hunter on Facebook wow. that just wrote some really dumb trash. And so, yes deer hunting random guy from Facebook. You are very manly. Nothing says primitive hunter like sitting in a tiny box all day hoping something will wander by so you can point at it and it dies. That is <laughs> also, your face paint really machos you up there. You look like Robert Smith in camo after a good cry. <laughs> and Noah, this one's for you. Sarah wants a roast for motivational speaker Rachel Hollis. Hollis. I don't Hollis. Know. Yeah. Oh, I fell into such a deep rabbit hole. So, okay, here's the thing. Sarah requested this back in 2019, and ever since, <laughs> karma has been beating me to this roast. Okay. <laughs> Turns out your how to have a perfect marriage stories sell way worse post-divorce, and your struggling mom every woman image sells way worse after you talk about your housekeeper on a live stream and refer to her as the lady who cleans our toilets. But, oh, yeah. oh, but don't okay. worry, I'm sure she'll plagiarize something contrite and then blame her social media team for not attributing it. She'll be fine. I'm sure she'll be fine. Oh, God, she's such a fucking disaster. Okay, Tom. Yeah. Jesse wants you to roast his friend, Troy. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, Jesse, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Troy sounds great. In, in your list of wonderful attributes, though, you note that he married a multiracial woman, which I can only assume you pointed out because that's somehow like altruistic in your mind. <laughs> it's a weird detail to add. Okay. Would, you, would you not marry a multiracial woman, Jesse? What's that like Is that like some kind of sacrifice, Jesse? What are you saying here, Jesse? You sound racist. Not like your friend Troy, though. You know what, Jesse? I'm not going to roast Troy because now he is my best friend and he thinks you're racist. <laughs> So that was a no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck he waited two and a half years for that. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. So outstanding. Eli. Sitting there next to his white girlfriend. It's finally on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eli, Edgar wants some shade for his former therapist, Dr. James Elliott. Oh, okay. So I could probably just leave my roast at letting you guys know that this is a doctor from Liberty University. Oh, so, you know, wow. That's pretty yeah, much yeah, it. Done. Yeah, so for all we know, defending his thesis consisted of coming on Jerry Falwell's wife's tits the hardest. Oh, <laughs> this is a guy who, not once. Wait, the hardest or the most? Because the right. hardest. It's definitely okay. the hardest, nope, not the I'm most. Out. Measured I'm in out. Newtons, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oral defense. <laughs> How many jewels from the family jewels? Yeah. So this is a guy who not once, but several times tried to convince Edgar that everything wrong in his life could be fixed if he wasn't an atheist. And uh. when Edgar finally did some digging, he found out that he was a pastor with a fondness for sermonizing about how all languages come from the Tower of Babel. Oh, incident. I love that so much. Oh, that's so certainly true. Dr. James. 
you look like the body camera stand-in for the cast of Pawn Stars, which <laughs> is fitting because when Edgar came to you for help, the best you could do was prophetize. <laughs> okay, round two, we're on to politics. Heat. Back to people who are actually here. This one is definitely for you. Garrett wants a roast of Ohio state legislators, specifically those who created the Student Religious Liberties Act of 2019. Okay, yeah. So, first of all, if you're a state legislator from Ohio, you are hoping to be Jim Jordan one day. That's <laughs> right. like your aspiration. <laughs> not a good start. <sighs> and the Student Religious Liberties Act of 2019, it's... Theocratic garbage. But the people who wrote it are super, super dumb. So it has a built-in backfire clause in it. It says that schools can have a moment of silence, but then it says you can't make anyone participate. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> according to their law, they have to let you make noise during the moment of silence they tried to enact in their law. Wow. Idiots. How very Ohio of them. Yeah. <laughs> Seasley, you're up next. Jeremy wants you to roast California politicians Mike Nager and or Matt Rom. I just went with Matt Rom. Mike Nager is too hard to find. So Matt Rom looks like the like the co-star of a twins remake with John Travolta, where he's all the Leftover bad DNA. <laughs> that wow. He's the leftover bad DNA from a super weird Scientologist. He's the fucking toaster shakings from the star of Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Noah, this one's for you. I love toaster shakings. Cornell wants you to shit on Canadian politician Faith Julia Goldie. Oh, my God. So she's a Canadian racist. Think about how exhausting oh, that must be. <laughs> right? Like, your, your, your fucking entire country is almost 90% white. How do you even find people to hate? But I'm in a bit of a loss here because when she ran for the mayor of Toronto, her highest visibility endorsement came from Iowa's own Steve King. Oh, my oh, God. And I just, I can't even dream up shit more insulting than that. Nice. So, there you go. <laughs> Tom, this one requires your personal brand of rage. You're going to be roasting an unnamed bigot, but also transphobia in general. The request is from Anna. She's a college-age trans woman who was walking down the street when she saw this bigot, like, grab his child's hand as if to protect the kid from the very concept of being trans. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the fucking trans bigot version of locking your car doors when a black guy walks past, right? Like, hey, asshole, nobody wants your fucking kids. Nobody is going to turn your kids gay or trans or inside out or whatever fucking nonsense you're afraid of. You can't catch being a man or a woman like it's fucking COVID. <laughs> I suspect these people know that. I suspect that when they grab their kids' hands and clutch their pearls, it's just moralistic kabuki theater bullshit meant to reassure themselves that they are the right kind of man because they are not. Because they are exactly the wrong kind of man. An outdated, terrified, small-minded kind of man. And when you walk past them, they're afraid that everyone can see the extinct dinosaur footprints they're leaving behind them. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, Eli, we're going to close out round two here with a tough one. Transgender and women's rights activist Melina Reyna Svanald Farley Barrett requested a roast of her political opponent for the Florida State Senate, Republican Jennifer Bradley. Sadly, Melina passed away last year after a fight with cancer, and Jennifer Bradley won the office. So we need you to roast Bradley and the whole situation in honor of Melina. Jesus fucking Christ. Can't I do Noah's cancer like last yeah, time? Right. You know, <laughs> something cheery we can all yuck it up at. Okay, so look, 
Jennifer Bradley matters so little that she's buried on the second page of Google by a vegan hairbrush company. <laughs> Literally, if you Google her, Google has a little sidebar that says, hey, do you mean this bitch? Because you got to tell us because this shit's all hairbrushes. Hairbrushes <laughs> all the way down. This woman got nominated for state senate. Republican, whatever, because her husband is literally the state senator for a district nearby. It's like a nice little fiefdom in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Jesus. And as evidenced by her Google ability, she is dwarfed by the woman she never even had a shot to run against, right? Melina wasn't an activist in the way that most people mean it, you know, as a replacement for unemployed on their Twitter bio. <laughs> she was an actual activist. Don't make fun of podcasting. <laughs> she was... A doer, she was the legislative director of the National Organization for Women in Florida now and the president of Gainesville area now. It is impossible to look her up without being buried under the permanent good she left behind her wherever she went. Not to mention, she was literally fighting for the rights of trans children from her hospice bed. Wow. So... No, she didn't win assistant state senator to my husband's golf buddy. But in every measurable way, she changed the world. And the only thing I can roast about that is not knowing about her sooner. All right, time for a super awkward spiting round. <laughs> tasteless, tasteless sound effect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's Morgan's fault. <laughs> the category is friends and family, and I want you to explain why these people got kicked out of Thanksgiving dinner. Heath, you're up first. This one is from Jeremy, and your target is his girlfriend, Leanna. Oh, she got kicked out of Thanksgiving because she's Russian and adopted. Nobody likes that. That's just awkward. <laughs> also, she's apparently a medical death investigator. So, fucking serial killer. Yeah, so yep. it turns out that she's She brings her own plastic wrap, though, for right. leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Cecil, you're up next. This is from Samantha. Why did Samantha's parents, Aaron and Scott, get kicked out of Thanksgiving dinner? Well, I mean, who even invites vicious liars and narcissists? I mean, I, I guess if they accidentally showed up, it would be because they gaslit the turkey so hard it shot out of the oven like a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, back to you. Why did Vanessa have to kick her stepdad, Kevin, out of Thanksgiving. Oh, I also got a terrible fucking person, so I feel like, you know, he wasn't so much kicked out as he escaped from the oven and ran away with a trail of breadcrumbs <laughs> falling out of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Cannibal Thanksgiving is the only one he deserves an invite to. <laughs> Tom, this one's for you from Sebastian. Why did Sebastian have to kick out his friend, Seth? Yeah, Seth got kicked out of Thanksgiving for insisting we shouldn't eat dinner if everyone everywhere also didn't eat dinner. Because Seth is the kind of asshole who doesn't understand that something can be worthwhile, even if it is not perfect. A concept from the looks of him that you would think he would fucking embrace as a life <laughs> motto. There you go. Okay, Eli, why did Mark have to kick out his brother Thomas? Oh, God, why wouldn't he kick him out? Mark describes him as the live-action Uncle Ruckus, and he is not wrong. <laughs> Here's my favorite story that Mark shared with us. This dude started smoking... Because he saw Fox News complaining about non-smoking sections in restaurants. <laughs> what? That's how committed he is to being an asshole. But, you know, given that it's 2021, I'm guessing Mark kicked him out because his ventilator was getting in the mashed potatoes. Yeah, right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, apparently the bell knows that everybody hates their friends and family, so the spiting round <laughs> continues. We're going to switch it up a little, though. I want you to tell me the name of the song you're going to play as they exit when they get kicked out of Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, we're going two spitings deep. Heath, 
You're up first. This is from Jackson, who fucking hates his Uncle Steve. I'm with you, man. I hate my Uncle Steve, too. <laughs> okay, so according to Jason, Uncle Steve is a, quote, right-wing nutjob. Yep. So we all have mm-hmm. a picture. And uh, more specifically, if you don't have a physical picture, he looks like a Nintendo me of a Capital Rider. Like, exactly <laughs> that. So when he gets kicked out of Thanksgiving for, I'm assuming, ethnic slurs... He's definitely yelling, I'm sorry, I thought this is America. Is this not America? I thought this is America. <laughs> so he gets to hear, of course, This is America by Childish Gambit. Oh, nice. Excellent. Well yeah. done. I think we all want Donald Glover to shoot him with an assault. <laughs> right, oh, sure, but when I say it. And Cecil, this one's from Jason. What's the exit music when he kicks out his BFF slash room? Warning, if you don't want profanity in your podcast, it's already too late to fuck off. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, Gabby, IP Vanish, and by Zip Unrecruiter, the service that finds a new job for that shitty coworker you want rid of. Preferably one that seems good until they actually get there, and then it sucks. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Revan. It's not Reven. It's not Raven. It is Revan. And despite what I learned growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men and women. August 26th, and it's National Web Mistress Day. So whether you're mastering CFNM or CSS, we salute you. Damn right. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick, and for Shaquille O'Neal's New Jersey, Vacation Station Birthday Land, and Red Zone Blue State, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, people die of COVID unnecessarily because of religion. Keith takes the week off to turn 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And will actually finish this time. <laughs> but first, the diatribe. A lot of trailing music. Is, uh, Wait, intro. the intro goes quicker with just two people. Sure. Yeah, got it. Christian apologetics is the three-card Monty of argument. They're constantly loading a word up with very specific meaning, then flipping it over, shuffling it around with a bunch of synonyms or, you know, even just similar concepts, and then asking you to keep track of where the original definition wound up. Like, they'll start the sentence talking about faith, noun, one, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, and they'll end it talking about faith, noun, two, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. They'd be like me trying to disprove their holy book by pointing out that it didn't have any fucking holes in it, but if you're not careful, they're bait and switch you like that in a second. Hell, even the word religion itself gets silly puttified by religious apologists such that arguments against their side suddenly become arguments for their side. They'll argue in favor of religion as a concept as though a justification for the general idea of religion somehow necessarily transfers to their religion. I was left pondering this by a bitchy email I got a couple of weeks ago that excoriated me for not giving people a chance to explore the possibilities. 
It was from some spiritual but not religious unholier-than-thou hippie whose mind is open enough for moths to get in, and he was giving me the sort of standard quest-for-the-truth argument. If you don't start with the assumption that I'm right, which is your first mistake right there, then religions have value simply for helping people explore all the possibilities. Except that's not what religions do. Religions sell one possibility, and it's either going to be demonstrably false or so esoteric it's meaningless. Religions don't encourage exploration. They forbid it. They outlaw it. They kill over it. But even when they don't do that, their goal is to crush the very exploration that this fucking dingling was extolling the virtues of. I mean, even the bullshit coexists sticker hippie shit this guy believes, this, you know, everybody's right and all roads lead to the same God shit, still promotes, nay, demands adherence to that one singular worldview. Sure, it allows an individual the ability to wander, but it doesn't allow them the ability to get any fucking where. Of course, one can certainly study religion in their quest for truth. I don't think they're going to find much of use there, but it's worth looking into. But the existence of active religion makes that very inquiry all the harder. I mean, it's pretty easy to study ancient religions with no modern-day adherence, because we are all allowed to talk about Zeus with the understanding that he's a mythological being. If we had to hold out the possibility that he might still be king of the gods, it certainly wouldn't make our conversations more productive. I mean, I, I imagine any other academic subject being tackled this way. right? Like, imagine if competing scientific theories worked themselves out via schism. Every time there was a new theory, colleges would have to pick a side or split off into two different colleges, each one dedicated to a different side of that argument. And no matter which side ended up being true, both sides had to stick around as long as they could convince anybody to believe their theory. Does anybody really think that would make it easier to reach the truth? And if it wouldn't work for any other academic subject, why the fuck would it work better for religion? In fact, by promoting any single religion or even any single view on religion, you're doing more to shut down spiritual curiosity than the skeptic or even the cynic does. How thoroughly can you possibly explore a theory if nobody you're talking to disagrees with it, after all? But most of all, none of that fucking matters. Because the other word this dude was playing three-card money with was the word truth. There's already a word for the quest for truth. That word is science. If your thing falls out of that, it's at best neutral in terms of finding truth. Most often, it's worse than that. By and large, religion is an attempt to avoid a truth. So far from denying people the ability to explore the possibilities, I'm saving them the trouble of wandering down dead ends. And I'm not not even blocking the fucking path. I'm just putting up a sign that says, hey, it turns out there's no truth down this path either. And if that thwarts your goals... Your goals never had anything to do with the truth. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the block to my tackle, Eli Bosnick. Eli, are you ready for a little polyamory? Wow, you save punters like that for a week, Heath is away. You are cruel, sir. You are cruel. You know, as weird as it is to say, that joke only works when there's just two of us. And as you chew on that (laughs) conundrum, we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's first sponsor, ZipRecruiter. All right, Noah, you ready to do the ads? Uh, Yeah, yeah, give me one second. Let me grab Heath. (laughs) What? Heath's on vacation for his 40th birthday. Right, but he actually, he left this tape behind for us. Hey, guys. Didn't want to miss out on the points for the ads this week, so I left you this tape. I think we've done enough ads now that I can pre-record my bits, so just go ahead and start now. 
I mean, there's no way that we can actually do so the. Eli's probably back chatting me right now about being able to pre-record my part of the ads because his writing's yeah, pretty formulaic. So yeah, whenever he's done with that, go ahead and start. Fine, fine. Uh, uh, up, come on, boy, up. Hey, Eli, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to teach this walrus to climb a building dressed as Spider-Man. <laughs> That's right. I am also part of the wacky shenanigans Eli and I are involved in. Damn. Me too. Got you there, dude. It's not always wacky shenanigans. Sometimes it's, it's based on the Very product. much is, yes. That's what's happening. But, okay. Uh, uh, the walrus thing. I'm doing the walrus thing, apparently, well, with Heath. why don't you hire a professional walrus trainer? In this economy, trying to hire the right person is like trying to find the needle in a haystack. Well, why don't you just try ZipRecruiter? Oh, what's ZipRecruiter? Damn it, he even got the timing down. Nice. So, no, you can stop the recorder now. Oh, you know what? Note to self, see if milk comes in container larger than a gallon. So when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over a 100 of the top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. Then ZipRecruiter's imaging technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job, which encourages them to apply faster. Wow, that does sound easy. Novel idea. In the future, everyone is bald, so the people who went bald first are the most handsome. Uh, no, I think Keith wanted you to turn no, the I, tape I'm, off. No, I'm going to let it go. Then. Okay, okay. So that ZipRecruiter thing sounds great. Where do I try it? Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Note to self, return Merkin. Did not convince Coffee Shop Girl. Also, note to self, find new coffee shop. Oh, buddy. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, professor of sociology and secular studies at Pitzer College, Phil Zuckerman, would like to remind you that atheists are better at all the important parts of existing in society than our religious counterparts. Yep. Apparently, Salon took a break from atheist bashing long enough to publish his article reminding everyone that on pretty much every meaningful measure of a person's morality, vocal atheists utterly trounce the piously religious. The article focuses on how much more ethical we are in terms of environmentalism and pandemic mitigation, but he also cites studies that show us coming out ahead in terms of supporting refugees, affordable health care, death with dignity, gun control, LGBTQ rights, and animal rights, as well as in opposition to militarism, the death penalty, and government-sanctioned torture. Huh. That's weird, because I'm pretty sure religious people have assured me that we don't appreciate the beauty of a sunset. It probably even yeah, that. No, it's probably, probably even after that. Yeah, so to be clear, <laughs> he's talking about atheists in this article, right? He's not lumping Ooh. us together with the nuns and the spiritual but not religious dingbats like so often happens. We're talking about, in the author's words, quote, atheists, agnostics, people who never attend religious services, don't think the Bible is the word of God and don't pray, end quote. And he's comparing us not just to like religious people in general, but regular church attendees, people who pray frequently, people who profess to be absolute in their conviction that God exists. And when we run the numbers on any meaningful measure of morality, it looks almost unfair to pit those two groups against each other. Right. Which is even weirder when you consider that what those people claim to be doing is reinforcing their morality yeah, once a week. Exactly. Right? 
That would be like publishing a study that finds that gym members are in worse shape than people who never go to the gym and don't believe gyms help you get in shape. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, the mass deniers. Yeah. And look, I get that we talk about this subject a lot. In fact, damn near every study that Zuckerman references in this article had a dedicated headline in this show when it first came out. But given how frequently we have to answer the morality question, I think it's justified. And since you probably can't get your religious cousin all the way through a diatribe, I like highlighting the articles you can actually share with them when I find them. You'll find it on the show notes. But the key takeaway is the same as always. The numbers suggest, but don't quite prove that atheism makes you a more moral person or being a more moral person makes you an atheist. But they do prove religion does not help. Yep. Yes, indeed. And in Farrington 451 News, nice. as a skeptic, it's important to admit when you don't know something. And truth be told, I really don't understand the idea of religious exemptions as a concept. I mean, it seems like if there's a universal and equally applied law about common good and your pretend thing goes against that law, the answer should be no. But lots of smart people assure me that it is, in fact, a good thing to have accommodations to religion. So, you know, whatever the subtle truth of religious exemption is, that's certainly not going to stop assholes from abusing it. And that's exactly what happened this week as Christian pastor and man who can only be described as COVID superfan, <laughs> Greg Farrington of Destiny Church in Rockland, California, gave out hundreds of letters of religious exemption for COVID vaccines to literally anybody who showed up and asked for one. Okay, so here's the thing about religious exemptions. Either you have them and shitty people use them to abuse the system and secure extra privileges for themselves, or you don't have them and shitty people use their absence to abuse people of minority religions and secure extra privileges for themselves. Mm, so you're saying it's a tie. I'm not quite saying that. <laughs> so... For those unfamiliar, Farrington has been doing his best to, I'm going to go ahead and say wingman for COVID since <laughs> the very start of the pandemic. So last year, he blamed church closers on, quote, liberal crazies and Satan. And when several members of his church caught COVID, he celebrated by saying on stage, quote, the favor of God is on this house. So, yeah, that guy handed out literally hundreds of religious exemption letters last Sunday to anybody, member of his church or not, who wanted to not get vaccinated, saying, quote, you have the freedom to choose, and nobody should be able to mandate that you have to take a vaccine or lose your job. That's just not right here in America, end quote. Okay, so uh, uh, on the one hand, a letter from Farrington exempting you from COVID precautions is as binding as a letter from Eli exempting you from Lyme disease. On the other hand, wish the Walmart greeter good luck explaining that shit to typhoid Karen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there you have it. As from the very beginning, whether society, law, science, or just good conscience has attempted to slow the spread of this deadly disease, religion has always been first in line to stop it. Eh, amen. And in Darwin, some lose some news. Fantastic. Americans, thank you. Americans are profoundly <laughs> stupid when it comes to subjects. In fact, I'd wager that if you measure our intelligence against the per capita dollars we spend as a nation on education, we may be the stupidest people that have ever existed in all of human history. And nowhere. And nowhere does our stupidity shine brighter than in the topics of science. Because. We're dumb when you ask us shit like, 
Who did we fight in the War of 1812? And 1811. And what's an adjective? Someone who tries to get you to buy adjectives. Uh, but but so that's just regular don't know stuff levels of <laughs> stupidity. But when you ask a shit like, how old is the earth and did humans develop from an earlier species of animal, you get motivated stupidity. And that's why... <laughs> Lying stupidity. Exactly, yeah. And that's why even basic shit like the majority of Americans believe in evolution is worthy of celebration. Now, according to Gallup, we actually crossed that threshold for the first time way back in the storied days of 2016. But <laughs> we got both confirmation and a bit more detail from a new paper in the journal, Public Understanding of Science, that breaks down three and a half decades of data on the subject and shows a precipitous rise in American acceptance of evolution over the past decade. Okay, two things. First of all, for the less literate listeners, precipitous means rainy. Second of all, <laughs> the public understanding of science journal has got to be the biggest fucking bummer to read. <laughs> <laughs> Every cover's black like the Time magazine from 9-11. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's still bad, guys. It's still fucking bad. <laughs> So this paper comes out of the University of Michigan. It looks at a number of different surveys over the past 35 years that include the question, do you believe human beings as we know them today developed from an earlier species? And it charted the response over time. And what they found was that for like a quarter of a century, we pretty much had stagnancy on the issue. Pretty much the whole time, acceptance and rejection of this easily provable scientific principle was tied between 40 and 45 percent. But right around 2007, the numbers started to diverge. And then at Pretty much the exact same time as this show debuted, the chart turns 45 degrees upward and starts its climb towards the meteoric heights of ever so slightly above half. Go! Hey, I'll take that credit. The scathing atheist convincing people to believe in filthy monkey men one at a time. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, of course, the survey isn't all good news. I, I, I mean... The fact that it only shows 54% national acceptance of the central theory undergirding all of modern biology isn't good news to begin with. So there's that. The researchers also emphasize that the movement seems to be in the younger generation's rate of acceptance. So it's like it's not like we're changing the minds of evolution deniers. We're just making it harder for them to recruit. But worst of all, the chart seems to have peaked in 2017 and acceptance of evolution, though still a majority, has been on the decline since Trump was sworn in. So... Always plenty more work to do. I mean, I get it. 2016 onwards has also shaken my faith in slow change that increases survival. It's not a great excuse, but I get it. I'm saying no, yeah. I get it. <laughs> right. And in now, that's what I call an upright position news tonight. We've all had a bad flight or two in our day. Turbulence, a long wait to take off or land. But I'll wager each and every one of us are all in second place to June 15th's American Airlines flight from Washington to Chicago, whose disboarding was ground to a perfect halt so an off-duty pilot could grab the PA and explain to everyone how Jesus saved him from being gay. Oh, my fucking... I, so Okay, so I would have shoved that hand set up his ass in a completely heterosexual way then. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to listen to have to do it. So, yeah, the unnamed pilot, apparently apropos of nothing, thought to himself as people were getting ready to get off the plane. Oh, that reminds me of how gay I used to be. <laughs> Grabbed the PA, blocked the exit and began to monologue 
to everyone in the plane over the speaker system about his child molestation, about marrying a woman even though he was gay and being gay behind her back, saying things like, quote, even though I was in love with her, just over one year into the marriage, I began to give in to the pressure of being gay. I asked other gay crew members questions about their lifestyle and what led them to becoming gay. Pretty soon I was taking part in that lifestyle. I had sex with men and would come home from work trips and pretend nothing had happened. And okay. Quote. All right. So you already spoiled the ending. I know this is going to end in Jesus, but I feel like I would have forgiven him if he'd gotten graphic enough with this part, right? Like there's a <laughs> level of graphic he could have gotten, like where it would have looped back around and he'd have had. Someone on the YouTube video is just like, let's hear him out. Let's hear him out, <laughs> guys. Now, as I mentioned, he concludes by talking about how Jesus ungayed him and finishes by saying, quote, ultimately, I want to share the love of Christ with you. If you feel uncomfortable, that's fine. But I will talk to you in the gate area. Thank you so much. Oh, End you quote. bet your ass you to talk to me in the gate area. <laughs> Dude, it would have been worth you doing it just so that you would have had to talk to me in the gate area. <laughs> but my friends. All is not lost. For though this is a story of airline assholery, and it has a villain, it also has a hero. And that hero is the gentleman in the YouTube video, link in the show notes, who quite literally, right after the guy finishes talking, yells at the top of his lungs, If I miss my next flight, I'm suing your ass off. Fuck you and your story. <laughs> And in fine by me news, Australia is mostly kicking ass at this whole pandemic thing. While there have been a few missteps along the way, including possibly kicking off the whole toilet paper hoarding phenomenon, uh, they've done a pretty remarkable job in the most important statistic, deaths. As of the time of this recording, the total number of COVID deaths in Australia has yet to reach the four-digit range. Jesus. Yeah, 984. Compared with America's 647,680, well, shit, hell, compare it with the thousand plus Americas that died of COVID the day of this record. Yeah, we're beating you daily. Beating you every day. Yeah. And and look, yes, Australia has a much smaller population, but it's not that much smaller. Mm -mm. If you look at it per capita, that's one in 25,772 Australians compared to one in 506 Americans. Boom. Americans are 51 times more likely to die of COVID. And part of the reason is that Australia is willing to enforce laws even when you crime religiously. To wit, the $1,000 fines police were handing out to churchgoers on Sunday night when the Christ Assembly Sydney Church elected to defy lockdown orders. Huh. I wonder if a legal system that doesn't have magic loopholes for death cults has anything to do with the four-figure death figure. Yeah, you know what? It's probably the surfing. The they surfing do a lot of surfing. Probably, yeah. They surf a lot, yeah. So police in New South Wales were tipped off to the gathering on Sunday night. According to reports, they arrived around 7.30 p.m. and found about 60 adults and children gathered masklessly and with no thoughts to social distancing. Ultimately, 30 adults were fined $1,000 each, and the church itself was fined $5,000. Now, those are Australian dollars, so, you know. Multiply by point seven two five or whatever, but still, <laughs> kind of hard to imagine any jurisdiction in America fining people for going to church just because it's illegal and dangerous. Yeah, 
And and that's keeping in mind that, as Police Minister David Elliott pointed out, they can still worship. They just have to stream their services like every other fucking church in a COVID hotspot in the goddamn country does. Yeah, and it's weird, but something tells me now that it costs them $1,000 not to do that, everyone at that church is going to get real conversant in that part of Mark about praying at home in your closet yeah. or whatever. It's crazy. So weird when there's a disincentive, you know? Now, it's, it's worth adding, by the way, that the offending church is part of an international religious group headquartered in Nigeria called Christ Embassy, which has a well-documented history of spreading conspiracy theories about COVID. In a since-deleted sermon from another Australian chapter of the same church, a church leader apparently told his congregation, quote, In the name of Jesus, we refuse every lockdown in our cities. We declare the lockdowns are over in the name of Jesus, end quote. Yeah, you better hope Jesus is also willing to co-sign a $30,000 loan to you guys yeah. in his name <laughs> as well. And look, it's pretty easy to make a country's COVID response look good when you compare it to the United States, but... Like right now, they're actually facing a very serious outbreak in the Sydney area that last I read was topping 800 new cases a day. Right now, in America, where evangelical Republicans are going to gather together for freedom parties to cough on each other like God intended, no matter what the churches do, it's easy to overlook the very real damage that shit like this is doing in a place that actually could otherwise contain the damn thing. Yeah, even when governments are doing it right. Religion will do it wrong, is what yep. we're learning. <laughs> God, and on that echoing reminder of the show's central theme, we're going to pause for a word from our second sponsor this week, Gabby. There we go. All the Donkey Kongs in a row from the very first one. Hey, Noah, what you doing? Uh, me, I'm just organizing my retro video game collection. Just arranging all the early Donkey Kong cartridges, which I have in order. All the Gen 2s. Noah, did you... Write this banter into the ad just so you could tell people you own a bunch of old versions of Donkey Kong. Okay, you know, a small but dedicated section of our listenership greatly enjoys my early video game references, Eli. You should do a podcast about it. What Don't if you did a podcast? Even start. What, what do you want, dude? Oh, I just finally figured out what to get Heath for his birthday. Auto insurance. Auto insurance? Yeah, but not just auto insurance. I went through all the hassle of comparing prices, entering in all the info, getting actual quotes instead of just the, you know, the fake ones you get at most comparison sites. He is going to be so pumped. But Eli, if he wanted to do that, he could have just gone to Gabby. What's Gabby? Gabby uses your current policy to compare your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. They're the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. And because Gabby uses your current coverage, they only show you policies that are the same or better than your current coverage, many of them at a lower price. And Gabby is free to use, and they never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. Wow, and it really works? It sure does. I tried Gabby out before they were a sponsor, and they found me three cheaper quotes than what I was already paying. People who switch with Gabby save, on average, $80 a month versus their current policy. $80. Wow. For that kind of money, I could have gotten Heath like a nice shirt or something instead. Sure. Yeah. And it's not just me who loves Gabby. Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, and USA Today. Start saving on your auto insurance today. Go to Gabby.com slash scathing to start saving right now. It's totally free. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash scathing. Gabby.com slash scathing. All right, Noah. Sounds good. Uh, speaking of comparisons, did you know that the Intellivision and the Intellivision 2 are actually the same system? Just an aesthetic reboot. Just do the video game podcast, man. Just maybe do a, maybe do I podcast. will. Do you do another podcast. He's, he's gone. And we're back. 
Next up in headlines, Christian pastor, bigot, and the Christmas spectacular host you never knew you needed, Eric Metaxas, (laughs) was asked to put on a mask this weekend while he was on a skiing vacation. And he's pretty sure it went getting asked to put on a mask, something, something, Hitler's Germany. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, the scariest aspect of this shit is what these people's complaints about Nazi Germany actually have been this whole time. Like, turns out the genocide <laughs> wasn't as much the issue. It's like, well, I mean, whatever he thinks the parallel to masks but that's not genocide, I don't think. Hitler and his anti-smoking laws. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Eric's on stage talking to some other fucking Christian chode about how terrible it is that everyone's being asked with sugar on top not to give the planet COVID. And he tells the following story, quote, A young guy is like, sir, you're going to put on your mask. I'm getting on the lift by myself, right? And I looked at him and I said, you've got to be kidding. I didn't say punk, but it was implied. And here's where it gets serious. He stopped the lift. Yeah, wow, man. If they stop the lift because you're unwilling to follow a rule that can't possibly harm you, it sure is a sign that someone other than you was being an asshole. (laughs) Better repeat this story in this public forum as possible. And I know what you're thinking, podcast listener. Hey, that sounds a lot like the rise of the foremost fascist government in world history. (laughs) Well, Eric is right there with you saying, quote, How did it happen in Germany with these young brown shirts who behave like that? And I was astonished because I thought, this is how it happened. End quote. (laughs) First, they came for the contagious diseases, and I did not speak out. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, so as many of you may have noticed, there's a lot of Hitler comparisons flying around in the media right now, which is why we're pleased to present the brand new segment on The Scathing Atheist. Is that like Nazi Germany? Hit it, Morgan. Hi, I'm Chet Chetley. Welcome to the very first episode of Is Is That Like Nazi Germany? Contestant today is Eric Metaxas. He enjoys sucker punching reporters and trying to get laid by women who think he's Geraldo Rivera. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for having me, Chet. I think it's a damn shame they turned you down for Jeopardy. Yeah, right. The races in one mass email. I know. I know it. Anyway, let's get to the game. You know the rules. I tell you the situation in modern history, and you tell me if it's like Nazi Germany. Are you ready? Nazi Germany, We Chet. haven't started yet. We haven't started, Eric. Sorry, I got excited. First up, wearing a mask. Nazi Germany. Oh, I'm sorry. How about... Get a free vaccine so you don't kill the people around you. Nazi Germany. Oh, another wrong one. Okay, last one here. The recently discovered genocide of indigenous children at so-called residential schools all over the continent. Well, the context there is so important, Chet. You really can't just... Oh, I'm sorry. That's 0 for 3, and you are out of the game. Mm, People hate Christians. They sure do. And that's why we'll see you next time on... Is that like... And in LGB2 Quo Que news tonight. Well done. Christians fucking hate gay people. I feel 
like we don't say that enough, right? Between them allowing gayness in a subsect of a subsect of a subsect of Christendom and, you know, culture dragging mainstream thought up to barely equal values in, you know, just some of the world and where religion has the least power, that thread has been lost. And the cultural zeitgeist instead is that, you know, most Christians are just plain groovy with gay people and there's a few cranks in Noah's neighborhood that are not. That's not the case. No. It has never been the case, and as long as we keep ignoring it, it never will be. And that point was proven once again this week when a new paper published in the Journal for Personality and Social Psychology examined just how often LGBTQ progress is seen as an attack on Christianity by Christians. Yeah. Yeah, like, so the best you could say for Christianity, given the numbers, is that it might not be the cheap source of bigotry in the entire country. And for that, they get tax exemptions. Yep, that is, that's what they got. It's got. So you're probably wondering, how did they reach this conclusion? Well, they asked Christians, and Christians couldn't fucking help but tell them. <laughs> okay, for instance, they asked straight, cisgender Christians how much Christians and LGBTQ groups were discriminated against in each decade. And whenever things got better as a group for gay people, Christians said they got worse for Christians. Wow. <laughs> well, next time somebody wants to fault me for defining Christianity by their prejudices, I need to remind them that like, they're only a cleverly worded question away from doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to list four things that are bigots. You tell me which <laughs> one is not you. And it actually gets worse. Quote, Strikingly, Christians reported that bias against Christians is as severe as bias against LGBT people in the current decade. What? Christians also endorsed explicit statements pitting the groups against each other. Example, as LGBT individuals face less discrimination, Christians end up facing more discrimination. To a greater extent than other groups surveyed, i.e. heterosexual cisgender non-Christians and LGBT participants. Yeah, when you think you have the right to other people not having rights, this shit's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. I mean, look, in the Christians' defense that were surveyed here, at least according to the way Christians define rights, they are correct, right? Yeah. If your definition of rights includes not selling someone a wedding cake or going to their preferred bathroom, then, yeah, you're losing your right to not do the thing that you or you're losing do. your right for other people other to people. not do the thing right right and that that's a good thing yeah I, I, I guess what i'm saying if i could simplify all this down is that they're wrong about rights and even if they were right about rights their rights are wrong <laughs> well said there we go and finally tonight Indeed, debossing news. Fantastic. The arduous task of dismantling Trump's legacy got a tiny bit closer to completion this week when the Department of Education announced their intent to rescind one of the stupid fucking pro-bigotry rules that he and DeVos enacted. In particular, the rule that exempted religious groups on college campuses from anti-discrimination policies. Speak of the devil. The rule stemmed from a 2019 executive order and threatened to withhold federal funds from schools that forced religious groups to play by the same anti-discrimination policies as all other on-campus groups. Or, when stripped of euphemism and plausible deniability, it allowed Christian groups to kick people out for being gay. Yeah, or unmarried and having sex. Or, in the case of my alma mater and a certain Christian group there, 
rape victims. Wow. Real fun set of bylaws the Trump administration was paving the way for there. Really mm -hmm. having fun. So when this rule was first enacted, American atheists and Americans United for Separation of Church and State sued. Uh, they pointed out that, A, that shit's illegal. and Sure B, is. Well, yeah, but even if it was legal, it wouldn't be a thing that the Department of fucking Education would have the power to do. <laughs> but last Thursday, the plaintiffs in the case asked for the courts to stay their lawsuit pending a rule change that should nullify the problem. Now, it's a Christian privilege, so the Biden administration is hesitant to just release a statement saying, no, this was always bullshit and we were never going to let it fly. But couched in a verbose promise to review the rules and submit them for public comment was a pretty solid indication that their intent is to do away with the problematic elements of the rule change. Yeah, we just want to remind everyone how seriously Joe takes religion. He loves checks notes, Jesus, and we <laughs> take his uh, fellow... Jesus fans very seriously here at the Biden administration. <laughs> right, exactly. And look, Trump and his cabinet broke a lot of toys on their way out the door. I mean, even when they weren't trying to, their incompetence led to the decay and corruption of most of the federal government. But once it was clear that they were on their way out, they set about systematically breaking as much shit as they could before they left. So as easy as it is to assume this rule was always going to get changed back and it was never going to be enforced, we need to thank the hardworking folks over at American Atheists and Americans United for making sure it stayed a priority amongst the millions. Mm -hmm. And with that token of gratitude, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Eli, thanks as always. God sucks off a turtle. And when we come back, Tom, Cecil, Heath, and a few guests will be here to actually finally, for realsies, close this thing off. Oh. Si, si, grazie. E tutti di gelato, please. Mi scusi, tutti? Si, si. Hey, Heath. Damn it. Really? Eli, I'm... I'm on vacation. You know I'm on vacation. Yeah, How sorry. Are you even here? I had a question for you. Hi, Bob. He hasn't introduced us. Oh, actually, you know what? Does this rash look like something I should be oh, worried about? Where are you going, bud? Bob? Bobby? Bobster? Okay, probably going to the bathroom. He seems nice. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a nice person. So, what's up, man? You, you had a question or something? How did you even find me? Oh, you've been using free Wi-Fi all over Europe, and whenever you're using free Wi-Fi, you're super easy to track. What? Seriously? My Wi-Fi? Oh, yeah. You should use IP Vanish. Oh, what's IP Vanish? That's a fun little game we play on the shows, Bob. Probably wouldn't understand it. You, you and Heath play fun games? Probably not, right? Anyway, IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is an important tool that helps you safely browse the Internet. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. Okay. That sounds great, but I'm kind of on vacation. Don't have a ton of cash to throw around right now on tech. Uh, just to keep you from following me to Italy, I'd, I wish you would just not do that. Okay, well, for that. listeners of the show, IPVanish is offering an incredible 65% off their annual plan, equal to six months free. Equal, you say, to six months. That's right, he 65%. Equal, yep, equal. So go to ipvanish.com slash scathing. Claim your 65% savings. Their annual plan is just $44.99 for the first year with our exclusive discount. This is the time to sign up with our discount and their current promotion. You can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash scathing to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Great. Fine. I'll sign up now. So... 
What did you want to ask me? You came all this way. You know what? It slipped my mind, but I will find you in France if I think of it. Please don't do that. All right. Have a good trip, buddy. Happy birthday. Bob. Bob, it was nice to meet you. I'm going to send you a picture of that rash, bud. I want your eyes on it, okay? Okay. No, I got it out of Heath's don't phone. Just He's, he's pretending he doesn't hear me. He hears. You know, back when Heath was a wee young lad of 39, we offered to trade on the show insults for charitable donations, and we radically underestimated how fucking charitable you were. So here we are, exactly 637 days later, finally capping off the final segment of Vulgarity for Charity. And as a thank you for your patience while we work our way through them, it even includes an Anna song. So without further ado, we're going to join the final Vulgarity for Charity segment already in progress. For the next round, we have some brave and charitable donors who asked for themselves to be roasted. Heath, this one's for you. Matt wants a roast of Matt. Okay, so Matt sent us before and after pictures from when he cut off all his long hair as donation to Wigs for Kids. And yeah, Wigs for Kids, that's a great cause. But now there's a kid with leukemia somewhere walking around looking like a fucking Muppet samurai. <laughs> Wondering about a really awkward return policy at Wigs for Kids. <laughs> that sucks. I don't want to fuck a woman with fake breasts to music from the 80s and cocaine. Can I get a different one? No? Okay, just this one. <laughs> All right, Cecil, you're up next. Cliff's son asked for dad to request a self-roasting, so we need a roast of Cliff for Cliff and Cliff's son. Okay, so Cliff, you don't look... Like Patrick Stewart. I know you cosplay like Patrick Stewart, but you do not look no. like Patrick Stewart. You look like no, Walter, Walter man. Cronkite, man. <laughs> you, look like, you look like Walter White from Breaking Bad if he just settled for chemo and dying of chemistry. <laughs> I mean, the only thing you have in common with him is you're bald. Yep. That's like me cosplaying Jason Momoa because I have a beard, man. Oh. <laughs> God damn. Oh, now I really want that. Right. I, I love that. Cecil's one-act play of Breaking Breaking yeah. bad now. It's just like, uh, yeah, I'd die now. Fuck. Fuck, I hate my health insurance company. Yeah. I'm going to donate to Vulgarity for Charity real quick. All right, there we go. I really wish we had a stronger union for those medical benefits as a teacher. Man. Oh. Should have gone on strike. Noah, this one's for you. Macy wants a roast of himself. And, and who can blame him, right? Like, he looks like if Chunk and Sloth <laughs> and the Goonies had consummated that relationship. Oh, no. <laughs> kinda, he, he looks like he, it kind of looks like he ate the vanilla version of the blueberry gum from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just a little. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, I should point out, he specifically asked me to go after his looks. Like, as though there was ever any question, Macy. Co yeah. like, come on, obviously. <laughs> we were going to hit up your Sudoku skills, dude. <laughs> you look uh, like if a Stretch Armstrong could go bad, man. We got this one. Right. We got it. We're good. And Tom, Philip wants a roast of Philip. A German guy who wants me to roast him. Oh, I'll me. do it. Yeah. How fucking original. A German sadomasochist. Whoa. Hey there, standard fucking issue. Hope you didn't trip when you were shit out of the cookie cutter you factory. You want me to roast you, specifically me. The guy whose shtick here is cruelty. That's what you're asking for. That's what you want, Philip? Is public humiliation the only thing that gets your fucking dick hard? 
If I'm going to play along in your little public self-flagellation role-play kink, you better fucking tip me, a little bitch, because this dungeon is your fantasy, not mine. This is the best you could come up with, Philip. A world of assholery all around you to roast, but you need this. You need me to tell you on air that you're a bad boy so you can sit on the can and breathlessly wank one out. Well, here's my fucking roast, Philip. Next time you want someone to step on your balls in front of a room full of strangers... Bring some cash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And oh, Eli, God. you're going to close out this self-roasting around here. <laughs> we need a roast of Jamie for Jamie. And also a roast of Eli by Eli. Yes. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Is that second part in the email from Jamie? It's irrelevant. It's Two votes. Now. Three votes. <laughs> Seven votes. It's official. I'm getting all Fibonacci. the hard ones today. Okay. Jamie is a gorgeous trans woman who met the love of her life when she sent this roast. And, you know, since that's a two year old lesbian relationship at this point, I'm guessing they're now married with two big dogs that they <laughs> pretend are friendly, but they're not Jamie. Okay. You got a poodle, the fucking size of a car bus. It's not friendly, Jamie. It's a murderer. All right. It's a murderer. <laughs> And for the roast, I mean, come on, Jamie. I'm supposed to roast a tall, blonde tennis champion? I look like the new version of the feels bad meme. I look, <laughs> in the words of my own baby sister last month, like if minors could have a rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my sister says. Yeah. I asked her why she included pictures of me on her Instagram, and she said, because you look like minors could have a rabbi. Great. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, but that actually gives me an idea. Jamie, Jamie, you look like everyone who looks like me harasses on the Internet. Two for one. I did. Yeah. I nailed it, everybody. I got it. Well done. We also had a couple more guest roast requests, including a few donors who wanted their targets roasted by opening arguments of very own Andrew Torres. Andrew? Thanks, guys. It's a uh, pleasure to be back, or uh, that's at least what Eli has written for me to say in the show notes. So uh, let's see what we got here. First up, we have a request from Jeremy, who wants me to roast writer Ryan Johnson of Star Wars Episode Eight. Okay, Ryan Johnson looks like he was proud to get tattooed by the girl who kicked the hornet's nest, right? If Australia had a national pervert, it would be Ryan Johnson, and he's not even Australian. Um and then next, M Melanie wants me to roast the cow named P. Andrew Torres, right? Yeah, the only thing on earth that is or ever will be named after me. Hey, thanks, Melanie. Um, but uh, all right, here goes. Um, <clears throat> is there a D quality beef? Is there an anus rather than an Angus cut? Is there a grade F quality milk? You know, the kind only fit for McDonald's milkshakes. If so, all of these products would come from P. Andrew Torres. And um, while I mourn the destruction of my cow namesake, thanks, guys. Let's toss things over to the one and only Lucinda Illusions. Thanks, Andrew. So I've just got two to knock out really quick. Gavin wanted a roast of atheist YouTuber Jacqueline Glenn, and I'd love to do something really biting here, but I'm not too familiar with her work. Well, I mean, I might be familiar with it before she plagiarized it, but I don't know it through her. So all I can say is that she looks like a Raggedy Ann fuck doll, and I'm pretty sure that's what she's going for. I also got a request from Michelle to roast her misogynistic dad, who has three daughters, each with multiple advanced degrees, but doesn't think any of them can truly be successful until they're married and have children, preferably male. And look, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with the guy. 
I mean, other than looking like a geriatric Popeye that let himself go in the 80s, but people who think they can define success for others are, in my experience, people who are trying to find it vicariously. So my guess is that he said he never got to fuck a dude and bear a child. But y'all have more advanced degrees than me, so I'll leave it to better minds. Now, we have one more special request here. Christy wanted Anna to roast Heath, but just add a little spice to it. She wanted Anna to do it in the voice of drunk Stephanie. Anna? Where are my shoes? Oh, there they are. So, like, I'm going to ask, like, Heath, because, like, it's his birthday or whatever, and he wouldn't even let me give him a lap dance at his dad's funeral. Heath looks like every guy that's ever dated me, and, like, we went to the same high school. Boom, roasted. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go throw up on changing table in men's room. Thank you, Anna. We're going to be hearing from you one last time before it's all over, but that's going to bring us to the final round. Heath, this one's for you. James has an excellent request. He wants you to roast the U.S. healthcare system. Oh, wow. Okay. Good pick. Um, all right. So uh, I feel like it's easy to understand maybe as an analogy. So the U.S. healthcare system, it's a lot like chess. Uh, most of us are pawns who get sacrificed. Um, <laughs> white goes first and has an advantage. Um, Norway is way ahead of us in the standings. They're guys at the top. And uh, our peak was in the 70s and involved a Holocaust denier. So that's fine. There you go. That's upsetting. All right, Cecil, you're up next. Daniel wants you to roast Micah Bell from Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> what? Okay. Micah Bell looks like someone left Luke in the belly of a tauntaun to ferment. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to assure you, too, Daniel, that I took time out of writing roasts to fire up the PS4, capture Micah, and light him on fire with moonshine and dynamite. Consider him roasted. He's 100% roasted. Okay, Noah, you get two options for this one. Janelle wants a roast of either Michael Ferris or David Barton. Okay, well, obviously I'm tempted to go with Barton because holy fucking shit, that guy. But I get plenty of chances to insult him. So instead, I'm going to go with Michael Ferris, the head of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and the founder of Patrick Henry University. This man may have done more to de-educate children over the last 20 years than any other Christian. That's really saying something. And in another hard one honor, he may have the world's bitterest Wikipedia page where he, I mean, I, I'm not he, I'm some anonymous Wikipedia editor, we have no idea, sure. <laughs> explains. David Darton. Yeah, yeah right. No, well, uh, Dykel Ferris, yeah, yeah, explains that he probably only lost his race for lieutenant governor of Virginia because he was such good friends with Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and Jesus and people hate it when you're friends with religious people. That's very bad in political office. Anyway, Eli, you're up next. Larry was a roast for rideshare passengers who say they'll tip and never do. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. Yeah, as Larry puts it, if they'd been a pizza, he'd probably have gotten a couple bucks. Hey, hey, rideshare people who don't fucking tip. I am the snobbiest person I know, and I literally know an Italian duke, and I fucking tip, okay? Rideshare is the craziest, worst part of our technological post-humanity hellscape. <laughs> oh, did you need to survive the crushing economy? Well, why not let some strangers into your car whose qualifications include downloading an app to a phone? It's like driving a taxi without all that cushy regulation in the way. These are the fucking ice road truckers of our great nation. And the least you can do is throw them a tip. 
and a good one, 20%, or you fuck yourself. There you go. <laughs> All right, and last but certainly not least, we have a request from our biggest donor of the entire charity drive, Lori and Brad, ooh, ooh. who raised six. $1,568. Wow. wow. Ooh, Again, just Lorian Brad. Unbelievable. And also a guy named Dave who made the same request. He also helped. Fuck you, Dave. Get off Lorian <laughs> Brad. Dave. Dave. <laughs> also some money. So the target Looking out for the little guy. is anti-tax activist Tim Amon. And of course, we're all going to pile on this motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> we got a picture of him here. And he looks exactly... Like the soul of Elon Musk. Like if Elon Musk got a soul, the of life, that's him. He looks like a Tesla henchman from the future who like came back in time, Terminator style, to stop Eli from murdering Elon Musk with one of his flamethrowers. <laughs> he looks like Skeletor shoved his head in a Mr. Potato so he could take his senior photo. <laughs> he looks like a salesman for the Ed Gein Furniture Company. <laughs> fucked up. He looks indicted, right? Like, I just, he just looks like does. just every yeah. indicted white guy. Or he looks like that one guy, you know, who's doing well, but in your head, there's uh, just like, you know, well, yeah, until he gets indicted. He looks like that guy. <laughs> pending. Yeah. Tim Iman only wants two things. He wants money and attention. And I mean, I get that. Like, I like both of those things. But the thing is that the money and attention, that's all he wants. That's it. He doesn't want money so he can pursue a dream and be a better, more interesting man or to travel the world and broaden his horizons. He doesn't want the money to use it. He wants money to have it. He wants money for money's sake because he doesn't know the difference between having values and financial value. And the need for attention is even worse because he doesn't care who it's from or what it's for. He doesn't want attention the same way you or I do. He doesn't want the world to see him and to appreciate him for his talents or skills or thoughts or dreams. He has nothing to show the world. All Tim wants is more eyes, more attention. He wants to make up for his lack of depth with a breadth of audience. And he'll shit on everything and everyone to get them both until there's nobody left looking. He looks... Like he wasted a totally good use of a flamethrower. You know? <laughs> looks like he cheats at golf, by which I mean, after he and his buddies play golf, they cheat on their wives together with each other. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like the inappropriate picture mainstream media insists on using of every white guy who just killed his family dog using the family cat. Yeah. <laughs> but he does, though. But he does. All right, well, do it. He looks indicted. Yeah. I mean, no, you nailed yeah. it. That's perfect. All right, well, I'll tell you what, we've gotten through a ton of it here, but there are a couple of rows still to go. A lot of people want us to make fun of their dogs, so we're going to close it out in style. Hit it, Anna. Universe Raven Simone. That's so many. You were a bad dog. 
with hot dog who made Kendra cash in. Looks like an old rusty tricycle, but then make it fashion. And chances got it made, but he doesn't seem to care. Cause that seal pup sleeper eats your diapers and your food and poops everywhere. Also, thank you, Tom, Cecil, Andrew, Lucinda, Bryce, Dan, Mark, Frank, Thomas, Seth, Don Ford, Voice of Fantasy and Adventure, and everybody else who helped us work our way through the more than 1,000 roasts we had for 2019's Bulgarity for Charity. And thanks to all the listeners and all the donors for bearing with us. We're going to be putting some guardrails in place to make sure the next one is just a three- or four-week thing we originally intended. But, hey, to raise six figures for charity, we're, we're going to do what we have to fucking do. Oh, and before we blow out the candles tonight, we want to wish our very own Heath Enright a happy 40th birthday. It's Friday, not today, but, hey. We joke around about his absence from social media quite a bit, but in truth, he's a lurker. He sees it all. He doesn't comment very often, but he sees it all. So if you have a chance to wish him a happy birthday via Facebook, Twitter, or 
I think he's even on Instagram now. It would brighten his day, and his day is already going to start on vacation in Italy. Just think about how fucking bright we could get it. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptic Rat, being at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Off and Boost, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would be too light to stay on your phone if I didn't weigh it down with some much deserved thanks to Heath Enright for letting me be a part of his fourth decade. I want to thank Eli Bosnick for focusing the old jokes on somebody else for a few weeks. I want to thank the lovely and talented Lucid Illusions for making getting old so damn much fun. I also want to thank Revan for providing this week's Farnsworth quote and for not being a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Way too many of them as it is. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people, Xenia, Brett, Bad Credit, Good Credit, No Credit, come on down to Throckmorton, Fraud, Peter, John, Buckland, Misty, Stu, Jason, John, Park, and Taurus, and Jennifer. Xenia, Brett, Throckmorton, Fraud, and Peter, whose sexual magnetism is measured in Tesla, John, Buckland, Misty, Stu, and Jason, who are hot enough to make that fusion reaction in California jealous, and John Park, Katoris, and Jennifer, who could have smooshed together a couple of hydrogen atoms with their sheer might if the scientists had just asked. Together, these 13 thoroughly thoughtful theist thwackers were lucky enough to join Earth's most storied fellowship, people who give us money. Not everybody has the legendary bravery and cunning it takes to give us money, but if you want in on the action, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash gettingadious, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingadious.com. Legal services for this podcast were brought up by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, Tim Robson handles our social media and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark will also roll the music that was used in this episode which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingads.com. It would be hilarious if Morgan just didn't put in any sound effects for that at all. <laughs> The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Warning, the following podcast contains those words that stupid people get more offended about than actual harmful stuff. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the Gimme to Loot podcast, Man Paper, and by the new travel site for Christians, Christline. We'll compare travel prices to your destination and, for much less than any of them, we'll just lie to you and tell you you've already been there. Christline. Because nobody wanted to look at your fucking pictures anyway. And now... The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Blackwell, Litigation Counsel for American Atheists, here to tell you that we did, beyond any reasonable doubt, evolve from filthy and wet monkey men and women. Also, Ben Shapiro thinks that wet vaginas are diseased. been practicing it's september 2nd <laughs> and it's pierce your ears day ow i said your ears i Noah. did i did i pierced your ears and i'm no <laughs> illusions <laughs> i'm eli bosnick and from actually these hoops make me look on fleek new jersey and red town <laughs> blue state this is the scathing atheist on this week's episode byu gets mad about having to share a letter with lgbtq Walker, Texas Ranger gets a weird new job. <laughs> Some deleted fucking scenes. And Liberty U cancels classes without a decrease in the total amount of learning. But first, the diatribe.
So I get a call from a friend the other night. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's a good enough friend that I answer the phone, even though he's just calling me with no warning, like it's 1986 or something. Anyway, glad I did, because he was in desperate need of somebody to hate religion with at the moment. It was the evening of his sister's funeral, and contrary to its sterling reputation, religion wasn't helping much. Instead, it has spent the entire process making shit more difficult than it had to be. And I'm not just talking about, like, you know, making my secular friend feel like an outcast at a remembrance for his beloved family member, though I'm sure it did that, too. I'm talking about the random obstacles that it created for him throughout. Now, obviously, I don't want to dive too much into my friend's personal shit on the show, but suffice to say that she was in the hospital before she died and they all knew what was coming. Or, I'm sorry, no, at least he knew what was coming because when the doctors explained it to him, he didn't argue back that God was capable of any miracle. While the rest of his family gathered to pray for impossibilities, he was inordinately burdened with all the real shit that has to happen when a person dies. On top of that, he was the one that had to be honest with her daughters instead of teasing them with talk of miracles and prayers answered and people looking down on him from heaven. So after dealing with all that shit and plenty more, we come to the day of the funeral. And if you've ever been the one non-believer at a funeral for a very religious family, you already know what that's like. And he's a polite guy. He doesn't want to offend anybody. He doesn't want to make any waves under the circumstances, obviously. So he's acquiescing to, like, one will you pray with us after another. He's nodding along as people dismiss his family's grief with platitudes about a better place. He's suffering through more than one makes you wonder about your own mortal soul. Anyway, haven't seen you in a church in a minute conversations. But until this point, that's just what it's like to be the atheist when you lose somebody. Right. I mean, as fucked up as it is to say, deaths are the time that society is quickest to flaunt its prejudices against the non-religious. So every atheist learns to endure a certain amount of this shit, whether they want to or not. As rude as society finds our very existence to begin with, it's downright obscene at a funeral when our skepticism might rob somebody of their illusions of life everlasting. So, you know, this is definitely commiserate with a friend about it later kind of stuff, but it hasn't risen to the call no illusions about it on your way home from the wake levels just yet. That part would come that night after all the official stuff is over. My friend finds himself in possession of the urn that contains his sister's remains. Now, to be clear, he's flown into town for the occasion, but he lives elsewhere. The family home's all full up, so he's staying at a hotel. But before he heads back there, he swings by the family home to drop off the ashes. But he's not allowed to leave them because, according to at least one member of the family, they will invite evil spirits into the home. Let me say that again, but more dripping with derision. They will invite evil spirits into the home. And again, again, we're not talking about me here. We're not talking about Eli. This is a guy who just wants to keep everybody happy, so he plays along. You know, after he accepts that this is indeed what's happening in the universe at this moment, he says something along the lines of, like, well, is there uh, some kind of blessing we can say over them, though? Ward off the evil spirits because, you know, he has the self-restraint not to just say, isn't Jesus magic stronger than devil magic? And if not, are you worshiping the right fucking guy? But they're undeterred. The ashes of his sister are apparently goddamn haunted. So he has to take them back to his hotel and figure out what the hell he's going to do with them at this point. Now, now, I need to point out the person objecting here is Mormon. The whole family is Mormon. And I've read their fucking book. There's nothing in it or the Bible about cremated remains acting as a doorway into the fucking spirit realm. That's just some random shit this superstitious motherfucker managed to concoct on his own. There are no ghosts in Mormon theology, but that doesn't matter because virtually no American Christians even know their religion's official theology. 
Hell, outside of Mormons and Catholics, you're lucky if you can find leaders that know their official theology. I doubt the likes of Joel Osteen could convincingly define theology. So what you most often are left with is a hodgepodge of superstitions and sacred precepts, often contradictory, that percolate and bubble up unpredictably. Like, you know, if haunted ashes were an official part of their script, they'd have an anti-haunted ashes spell that he could do or something. But since he's essentially making up his sincerely held beliefs as he goes along with little more than you never know to guide him, there's no ready solution to this made-up problem. And again, it's worth emphasizing here that this is supposed to be religion's time to shine. The whole justification for it, as far as most of the secular world is concerned, is that it helps grieving people move on with their lives. But even if you think lying to a motherfucker so they'll shut up about their dead relative counts as solving a problem, religion still creates whole new problems along the way. And unlike reality, there is no roadmap for success. Yeah, end-of-life counselors can, at least to some degree, experiment with the normal problems that we encounter when we grieve. They can refine their recommendations and their therapies. They can get better over time. But when you start adding in random shit like my niece's ashes are haunted, how the fuck is anybody supposed to prepare for that? Look, I've never been a fan of organized religion, obviously, but it turns out that disorganized religion isn't any better. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the heat of my haw, Eli Bosnick. Eli, are you ready to put your hands together and bray? Heck yeah, I am. I was taking horse dewormer before it was cool, Bella. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's true of everybody who's ever taken horse dewormer. But while we sort that out, we're going to pause for a word from this week's first sponsor, Gimme the Loot. Looking for a Eurocentric D&D podcast where a gaggle of cisgender white dudes play a cluster of Mary Sue Paladins or Edgelord Rogues? Too bad. They didn't pay for this spot, but the Gimme to Loot guys sure did. Gimme to Loot is a D&D 5e actual play podcast with comedic and satirical overtones featuring a diverse cast whose experience levels range from first-time players to 1e veterans. Gimme to Loot's story centers around five dysfunctional randos who meet up at a fantasy truck stop, try to save some lumberjacks, and end up magically stuck together. Now the party of five must find a way to overcome organized religion, the god of lawyers, Ducky's hypercapitalistic mercantile guild, and each other as they roam the countryside in the Winnebago, searching for a cure to their condition. Give them a listen at www.gmdlcast.com slash atheist or any of your podcast platforms. And be sure to check out patreon.com slash gmdlcast for access to their bonus video content like a challenge of the challenge ratings and bonus podcasts like The Hunter's Party, a supernatural rewatch show with a D&D homebrew twist. They promise they make fun of the bad parts. Give me the loot podcast. And now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, listen up, you supernatural fans. You keep tweeting at me to tell me how great a show it is. Wait, well, I'm gonna uh, Eli, Eli, Eli. There's a script. What the hell are you doing? Oh, uh, you and I are about to go on vacation, and I figured since people aren't going to hear from us for a month, I can really, you know, give it to the supernatural fans, and they'll be over it by the time we're back on the no, air. No, Eli, we're not going off the air. What? Yes, we are. We're taking a month for September off. I made birthday plans, Noah. You cannot no, cancel my vacation. No, 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 no. We, we are taking the month off, but the listeners aren't going to miss any episodes of Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, D&D Minus, or Citation Needed. We got ahead on headlines, Bible readings, David Icke, and even another fun segment or two, so they'll get their podcast as they usually do. Oh, 
They will? That's right, they will. Well, if the podcast is going to come out as usual, then why are we telling people we're going on vacation? Well, first, because it gives us a chance to thank our patrons who made this possible by supporting the show. Our patrons made it possible for this show to be our jobs, and that means stuff like, you know, having health insurance and taking vacations. It's also going to be kind of obvious when we start talking about headlines from back in April, but most importantly, as creators of stuff on the Internet, it's important that we acknowledge when we take a break. So you're saying this isn't my opportunity to tell off the Supernatural fans once and for all. It's never that. No. Okay. Well, Supernatural fans, you're off the hook this time. And next time. In our real lead story tonight, (laughs) it seems hopeful to the point of naivety that I once thought the world needed a book to make the case that religion is one of the chief contributors to the pandemic. I guess I ignorantly assumed that there would eventually be some effort to pretend otherwise, or at least a less vigorous effort to sign their names at the bottom of the page. But... From the moment the World Health Organization first busted out the P word, religious leaders and institutions have been in a seeming competition as to who can undercut public health the most. Yep. Case in point, at a time when most organizations are firing people for promoting vaccine hesitancy, national religious broadcasters just fired a guy for failing to. That's right. Daniel Darling had the audacity to appear on TV and urge Christians to get vaccinated. So he was fired for, I swear this is the wording they used, violating their requirements that he remain neutral on COVID vaccination. Well, I mean, he should have known when he started working for us that someday there'd be a massive plague that kills millions of people, and we would want him to be neutral about it. That's just kind of standard contract. Not no, yeah. So this problem began on August second, I believe, when Darling, the senior vice president of communications for National Religious Broadcasters, appeared on MSNBC. So right there, he's just asking for trouble. And during the <laughs> appearance, he talked about how his faith motivated him to get the vaccine. He was obviously reacting to the statistics that show how prevalent vaccine hesitancy was among evangelicals. So he was pulling out all the stops. He pointed out, for example, that an awful lot of people who worked on the vaccine shared his religion. So seems weird that they'd be in league with Satan's microchip plan, if you think about it. Come on, y'all. Come talk to Francis Collins. He is waterfalls enforce my invisible friends level of Christian. Guys. <laughs> yeah, Come right. On. Yeah. Come talk to Frankie. Now, of course, the same vaccine-denying evangelicals he was trying to cram some sense into are the very same evangelicals that make up the 1,100-member nonprofit he works for. Responding to the MSNBC appearance and an op-ed he'd written for USA Today with a similar message, the group reprimanded Darling and told him to state publicly that his pro-vaccine stance was mistaken. That stance, by the way, was that you should love thy neighbor. Yeah. And when he refused, he was fired without severance. Well, until he sues them. Something tells me he's going to end up getting a check. It's not like he's gay or anything. Let's be serious. (laughs) Now, to be clear, all of this comes from Darling, right? So NRB has refused to comment on why he left, and they did issue a statement saying that nobody was ever terminated from their employee because of their views on COVID vaccines. But that very same statement confirmed that their policy was to stay neutral on the subject. And firing Darling for endorsing the vaccine isn't the same as firing someone because of his views on COVID vaccines. So 
Like, either he's telling the truth or NRB is being awful coy about their innocence. <laughs> Still, since the entire group's stated purpose is to protect the free speech of its members, the firing seems hypocritical even by Christian standards. <laughs> oh, boy, does it. And in Roe versus Wade in the Water News. Mm. You should have voted for Hillary fucking Clinton. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I know that's Heath's thing, but he's off this week. So as a belated birthday present to him, just a reminder, you should have voted for Hillary fucking Clinton. Yep. Because Hillary Clinton wouldn't have committed open treason with the Russian government. There's one. She almost certainly wouldn't have been impeached twice. She wouldn't have mm -hmm. let a plague ravage over our country and the planet. And... Most importantly, today at least, she wouldn't have packed the Supreme Court with religious stooges who would essentially overturn Roe versus Wade without lifting a finger or making an official decision, which is what could happen any second as we record this podcast. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, to be clear, by failing to block this law from taking effect, they've already overturned Roe v. Wade. It's just a matter of whether that's temporary and how temporary. Exactly. So the law, Texas Senate Bill 8, amounts to a near complete ban on abortion in Texas, prohibiting most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy and is the most restrictive abortion ban currently legal in the nation. The law, listen to this. The law allows private individuals, not even just Texans, anybody, private individuals to sue violators of the law for up to $10,000 in damages and makes no exceptions for pregnancies resulting from incest or rape. Yep. And since the Supreme Court did not take early action to stop that law, as of the recording of this podcast right now, that law has gone into effect. There are abortion clinics turning away patients right now because that law is in effect. Mm -hmm. Now, it's worth noting that an emergency application from abortion providers seeking to block the law remains pending, and the court is expected to rule on that literally any second as we record this, but the fact that they haven't already is not a good sign. Yeah, because, like, this is not a complicated question in any way. Mm -mm. It's, it, like, it's like they're being asked to rule if theft is still illegal if you're left-handed. Yeah. And look, I'd honestly rather speak about this once we had all the information. But we're gone next week. And by the time we're back, it's kind of going to be old news. So well, it depends on what the Supreme Court yeah, does. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I want to get to this while it's fresh, even if it means that by the time you hear this, they've backed down or they've blocked the law because... Whether or not this particular bill goes through in its full, insane nature, we shouldn't be here, right? Roe versus Wade has been settled law since the 19-fucking-70s. And the reason why we've gone through this exact cycle of terror and relief about basic reproductive rights, what seems like maybe a dozen times over the last year and a half, is because of religion. Well, okay, but to be fair... Any institution that was exempted from laws against sexism that purported to be a source of morality and was politically untouchable could have done it, though. It did, yeah, that's true. Yeah, any any of those ones. Look, 
This is a religiously motivated bill. It was written by Christian politicians. It was supported with church dollars. As often as I'm sick of saying it, religion is the sickness and the symptom here. And as much as every other media venue is going to throw its hands in the air and act like, oh, this, this came from the dark dimension where the bad America is, you and I need to be honest about this. This has been part of the religious rights agenda for decades and the way their agenda gets enacted always all the time is by religion coming into power yeah well and okay and what's more with the exception of the catholics this came from the politics right the politics seeded it into the religion and then used the religion to justify it now Far from being exculpatory, that actually proves they can use religion to do pretty much any damn thing. And in taking the lib out of liberty news, I try to keep myself from doing all COVID stories on the headlines because you know can't do that week after week after week. But I need to talk about the way that Liberty University is being devoured alive by a creature that they created and can no longer contain. And no, I am not talking about Jerry Falwell Jr., <laughs> in fact, I'm also I'm not Anymore. talking about how even the barest scrap of bowdlerized education is still enough to reject the underpinnings of fundamentalist Christianity. In this instance, I'm talking about their student body rebelling against a desperate effort to impose the bare minimum of safety precautions amid a rampant COVID outbreak. Oh, boy, are they. Also, a uh, side note for our less literate listeners like myself, bowdlerize means to cut out the parts you don't like. But... Fun fact, the Merriam-Webster definition is to expurgate something. So I, so I had this moment where I saw that word, and I was like, I don't know what that means. So I looked it up, and I was like, okay, Miriam, you too. You're supposed to be on my side, Miriam. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be you. Sorry, Noah, you were saying Frankenstein wasn't the monster the student body was. Go ahead. You, you studied Shakespeare. You have a degree in Shakespeare. He made up his own words every time. It was the very bo- much easier. Was, anyway, so, anywho, so the good news is that Unlike last year, Liberty University is admitting that COVID is both a thing that exists in the world and a bad thing for students to have. So Good for them. Right? Baby <laughs> steps. So when they realized that they had 159 active cases at the school of about 15,000 students, they decided to close down in-person classes for a couple of weeks. And not only is that the end of the good news, but that kind of overstates the case. Yep. Right. Because the students are still living on campus. They're still allowed to use school facilities and the dining areas and shit. And there is no mask requirement on campus. And oh, fucking course, there's no vaccine mandate to attend to the school to begin with. Uh-uh. But even that bare minimum afterthought of an effort to protect them from dying was too much for many of Liberty's brainwashed students. So they started a petition to end the lockdown. Lockdown. Man, if this isn't the year that we learned, you could just get Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson to say fire isn't real. Christians will do their own Waco. Right. Wasted a tank, everybody. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So <laughs> the petition was apparently the idea of the exquisitely Caucasianly named Landon Nesbitt. How the fuck does that name not have a Roman numeral? Anyway, right? Landon Nesbitt points out in his petition and in subsequent interviews about it that Liberty's willingness to endanger its students was one of the main reasons he decided to get a degree from them instead of an education. And so far, that petition has over a thousand signatories. 
that would be about one in 15 students, even on a good year. Oh. Or, or about eight times their rate of COVID positive students. Well, for now, let's see how the petition does. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Those, yeah, those, numbers. those numbers will go up in tandem. Yeah. <laughs> And in God's Not Dead, he's J-E-L-L-O news tonight. <laughs> I'll be honest, I find it hard to rustle up empathy for the jerks we talk about on a regular basis, right? They're con men, racist loons, or most of the time they're all three of those things together. Yep. Mm-hmm. That said, a precious few of them have made talking about what God and heaven look like, like physically look like, a part of their shtick, and you know, I'll be damned, but I feel a pang of empathy every time one of them tries to conjure a new and desperately magnificent sky wizard for the hundredth thousandth time on YouTube. And who should tug on my heartstrings this week, dear podcast listener? But Robin Bullock. When he described a visit to heaven where he saw God wrapped in a cube of holy power gelatin. Yep. You know who I have empathy for? Who's that? Steve Schultz. Right, because if there is any unhinged psychotic yelling on YouTube about how God lives in a gelatinous cube or you have to be this tall to ride the heaven volcanoes, you can bet it's going to be Steve Schultz standing on the other side of that split screen nodding along like a fucking pot committed Ziggy that's looking for any way out. It's so his life, and you, if you don't watch the full, you can't because they're like 97 hours yeah. like past the light things. But if you watch the clips, every time someone does a new thing, he's just like, oh, Steve. Come on. Steve, what have we done? <laughs> you done done it again, Steve. Okay. So regular listeners will remember Robin Bullock for perhaps claiming to talk to Jesus by walking through a water portal a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. A couple months ago, he threatened to make people who made fun of him have leprosy. <laughs> I'm still waiting on uh, my leprosy. Yep, yeah, still good. Still good. Or maybe you just know him for looking like the anthropomorphic version of all the bad thoughts Dave Grohl has ever had. <laughs> Either way, I'm, I apologies to Dave Grohl, by the way. Either way. And Cecil. Just in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he took to the increasingly depressed looking Steve Schultz's YouTube show, Past the Light, to describe a recent encounter with the Almighty's jiggly visage, <laughs> which, which I will be reading in a drunk voice for clarity. I, I, I'm not saying Robin Bullock was drunk on the show. I'm saying that Robin Bullock was stone cold sober. He just thinks like a drunk person. Yes. Yeah, and he also looks like a drunk person thinks, but that's a different, that's, it's different. Yeah, when you, when you hear it, it'll make sense. Okay, yeah. quote. I remember one time, you know, I've been to heaven in different throne rooms a few times, and every time I was in a throne room, he has a different throne rooms for different things. I watched him create <laughs> the world one time. It was the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Anyway, the white throne, it's set on about seven tiers, and when you look down on it, it was massive. It was a massive thing. And it was inside this cube of, like, uh, gelatin? It was like clear gelatin. And it went around in a square around him and his whole throne. You could see his hair. You could see the outline of it inside that and his beard. And inside this cube of gelatin, it was clear. Like, it was pure energy. It was power. It was just like electricity alive inside this cube. <laughs> when you when you see him like that, that cube had to be around him. There was too much power coming out of him. It had to be there. 
Oh, my God. I, I love how pretty much every Christian who has ever taken it upon themselves to describe God's physical appearance does so in a way completely consistent with the thing angry Christian apologists tell us that nobody believes. They sure do. Right? <laughs> no Christian believes God's a white-haired, bearded old man on the throne except literally every Christian who's ever described him. Shit. Okay, but they don't mention the Jello thing. To credit to us <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Let's tell William Lloyd Craig about the Jello. <laughs> right. So I think it's obvious that Robin's running out of ideas. I think we can all agree that. But I have a personal theory that he started stealing God descriptions from the Dungeons and Dragons monster manual. <laughs> so I'm just saying, everyone, keep your eye out for you know. God having a bunch of eyes all around his body, <laughs> maybe a pet goldfish. We're going to see if I'm right. Oh, this is going to get interesting. All right. Well, if you just go in alphabetical, I feel like the gibbering mouther is coming next. And I, I think mm -hmm. most of our listeners are going to need to Google that to appreciate what an awesome God he would make. So we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's second sponsor, Man Paper. Our gibbering mouther is an awesome gibbering mouther. <laughs> Well, hey there, Noah. You wiping your ass? Damn it, Eli. What are you doing? I just wanted to give you the opportunity to learn about our newest sponsor, Man Paper. What's Man Paper? It's toilet paper for men. Are you tired of the girly scents and the coddling softness of traditional toilet paper? Well, then crack open a six-pack of Man Paper and get to work on your grundle like an ice road trucker. But, Eli, what makes Man Paper different than traditional toilet paper? When you're a man, you don't have time to wipe a second or even a third time. You're busy building a business. You're closing a deal. You're yelling at your son about a hose, which is why Man Paper uses Grade 11 sandpaper to provide you with their one-wipe guarantee. One-wipe guarantee? That's right. One wipe and your crack will be as smooth as Ryan Reynolds' chest or your money back. Order now and each roll comes with a tightly bound hard leather belt. All right, Eli, I'm in. So long, spoiling girl paper. Man paper. Dear God, what are we doing that these people keep buying ads from us and how do we make it stop? <laughs> and we're back. Next up in headlines. Hey, podcast listener. Can I interest you in a very specific time machine? One that allows you to go have all the Internet fights of 10 years ago today? No? Well, then you won't be interested in the Mormon church, which is all the buzz this week about whether or not, I cannot make this up, Brigham Young University is anti-gay enough. Yeah, what? <laughs> okay, so little background here. In 1820s America, everyone's just making up their own Christianity, right? When a young, short con runner named Joseph Smith decides to give it a shot for okay, himself. Okay, so, sorry, Eli, I know it's unlikely for me to be the one to say this, but perhaps a little less background. No, that. that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, uh, yada, 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 polygamous cult, yada, 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 tries to overthrow the government, owns everything in Utah, weird secret Mormon Vatican, run by old white guy bigots, Brigham Young University. Yeah, okay, so that's pretty much spot on. You don't have yeah, to listen to Thank naked you. Mormonism anymore. Eli just summed it up. <laughs> exactly. Keep your headphones soup smell free. <laughs> but more recently, i.e. two years ago, valedictorian Matt Easton announced that he was gay in his commencement speech, which... I gotta say, is a pretty brave fucking thing to do. Yeah. Right? BYU can and has kicked students out for being gay. They kick students out for being sexually assaulted by members of the same gender. But, as I said, Easton came out publicly anyway. 
And BYU has apparently been in a little mini war about it ever since with yeah. homophobic graffiti and counter graffiti and counter counter graffiti and lots of people yelling about what throwback homophobes they are like the Supreme Court didn't decide this shit in 2015. But if ever there was a throwbacks throwback, it's a Mormon apostle. Specifically, Mormon Apostle Jeffrey R. Holland, one of the highest ranking members of the Mormon Church, who chimed in last Monday to remind everyone that he's way back in some pre-Stonewall shit. Y'all need to get on his level. Yeah, right, because who better to lead us into the future than a guy older than color television? (laughs) Have you guys heard about this Pong game? I'm telling you, it'll blow your asshole out of the back of your head. He was in his 30s when Pong came out. (laughs) 30s. Okay. Okay. Quote, if a student commandeers a graduation podium intended to represent everyone getting diplomas in order to announce his personal sexual orientation, what might another speaker feel free to announce the next year (laughs) until eventually anything goes? What might commencement mean or not mean if we push individual license over institutional dignity for very long? Do we simply end up with more divisiveness in our culture than we already have? And we already have too much everywhere, end quote. Oh, we have too much divisiveness, he said in his anti-gay speech. (laughs) Jesus, I love the parade of horribles that must be marching through this man's head, right? He's imagining next year's valedictorian going like, yeah, I didn't think I'd like it, but finger up the butt is pretty nice, right? (laughs) Don't judge it. It's when it's coming out. That's when it'll get you, you know? (laughs) Person the next year just has their finger up their own butt. I warned you all. I told you this was going to happen. (laughs) Pong wasn't enough for you. Okay, but don't worry, don't don't worry. He's heard about the viral videos of people assaulting gay kids on campus or calling them faggots, and he's got a word for the open homophobes on campus as well. Quote, yes, we will always need defenders of the faith. Not good. This is not a good start. But friendly fire is a tragedy. And from time to time, the church, its leaders, and some of our colleagues within the university community have taken such fire on this campus. And sometimes it isn't friendly, wounding students and the parents of students who are confused about what so much recent flag-waving and parade-holding on the issue means. Confused. End quote. They're confused. Mm. So, just to be clear, the most progressive part of his speech was, don't shoot your classmates, they're just confused by gay pride parades. Yep. That's the best thing he had to say. Yeah, no, he can't validate the existence of gay people long enough to condemn the people who won't validate their existence. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it's crazy. Almost inevitable. And then suit yourself news. Fantastic. Indiana asthmatic Jennifer Reinald would like to speak to the manager of the law. <laughs> she's had enough of this mask wearing bullshit, and she's seen more than enough YouTube videos to know her rights, so she's suing the CDC and the FDA and her governor and his state health commissioner and <laughs> Anthony Fauci and both her county and municipal health departments, the people who run them, and Menards and Sephora and AMC theaters and Krispy Kreme donuts. And <laughs> <laughs> 
And the complaint is so glorious and wonderful that it makes me wish we had a sixth podcast where we teamed up with Andrew to review terrible Christian lawsuits. Yeah, let's get a bounce on it. We don't need a vacation. Got all the lawsuits. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, you have to say yes or I'm going to try to buy a billboard again. And we yeah, all know how that went the first time. So, so the complaint opens up with a 25-page summary of the research she did on Google that begs for multiple flashing fonts. She <laughs> literally starts with the advent of the germ theory of disease and takes her time getting to the present day. But the long and short of it is that masks don't work no matter what them scientists tell you. But, listeners... She reserved the full brunt of her untamed carinosity for those filthy motherfuckers down at the Krispy Kreme. And I have to offer it to you in its full glory. He really does. This is an actual excerpt from her legal complaint that she filed with a goddamn court of goddamn law. Quote, on or about June 5th, 2020. Good start. This is the law. Take it serious. Very serious. <laughs> Very serious. Jennifer Reinhold went to the, speaking about herself here, Jennifer <laughs> Reinhold went to the Krispy Kreme store where there was an extremely long drive through line that wrapped around the building and did not appear to be moving. There were only two people in line inside the store. Jennifer Reinhold was forbidden entry into the store without a mask. She explained to the store manager that she had a medical disability and could not wear a mask, but was still denied entry. She continues, Jennifer Reinhold, having promised her daughter donuts, returned to the car, donned a mask, and waited in line in the store for 10 minutes to get the donuts. She had an asthma attack in the store as a result of wearing the mask. Store employees, including the manager, emphasis mine, were unconcerned she was having an asthma attack and <laughs> podcast listener, podcast listener, my birthday's coming up. You're going to miss it because we're on vacation. <laughs> I want nothing more than the security video yes! from this Krispy Kreme where Jen is rolling around on the ground like the surgical mask is a fucking face hugger from Alien. I know it exists and I need it. I need it. For my birthday. I oh. need it by September 26th. Oh. Need it. And finally tonight, in Fly the Plague Friendly Skies news, there was a time when somebody, anybody, took Liberty Council's Matt Staver seriously. And for that, we should all be ashamed. Based on that knowledge alone, we could make a convincing argument to superior life forms that they should, in fact, blow us up and start over. And the Marklarians warmed up their lasers even more this week as Staver put out a press release that vaccine mandates are bad because they're going to make the planes crash. I am dying to know where Matt has been putting his mask, but I also don't want to know. You know, I sort of have him in between. Well, Jen is on the plane and she's violently rolling around in the aisle. It's very distracting. <laughs> Okay, now to be fair, it's not what you think. Staver is not saying that, like, you can't put the microchips on airplane mode. <laughs> no, he's defending a much more believable type of stupid. Namely, he's saying that anti-vax flight attendants and pilots are so fucking stressed out that they're going to have to get a free miracle cure for the plague that they cannot do their jobs. What? Well, yeah, if there's any industry that needs to coddle science deniers who don't care about the lives of the people around them, it would be aviation, yeah. Oh, please, more of them in control of the giant jets we fly through the sky. Here's the quote. 
Based on direct conversations with airline workers, including many pilots and flight attendants, the pressure is resulting in an increased number of safety incidents. A captain of a major airline said that due to the extreme stress under which pilots are being subjected to regarding taking these unwanted shots or losing their jobs, this captain would not fly on the airline unless in the captain's seat, end quote. Okay, so to be clear, there is a very real problem with increased stress for airline employees. The source of that stress, however, is Matt fucking Staver and all the assholes who listen to him. Yeah, he continues, another said that flight attendants are coming into the cockpit in tears due to the stress. Yet another said that due to distractions, there are also more safety incidents on the ground. Another said... That a coworker, under fear of being terminated, succumbed to the pressure and took the COVID shots, went into anaphylactic shock, and died. But yeah, he he flies Air Canada. You don't know him, but it's a, it's such a lazy lie because it's shots plural. So like he was fine with the first shot, but that second one, uh, yeah, he's right. oh. <laughs> lying on the ground next to Jennifer. Ah, oh, she's faking it. <laughs> he concludes, quote. No one should be forced to inject this or any substance in their bodies against their will. It is wrong to violate the fundamental right to free and informed consent and bully people into compliance, end quote. Not adding, my entire career and the point of my existence up until these fucking vaccine mandates was to try to stop gay marriage and abortion. Yep. I just got sucked into myself and I turned into a black hole, <laughs> <sighs> end quote. And on the closest thing that we've ever gotten to an actual warning that the sky is falling, I guess, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Eli, thanks as always. Everyone starts stockpiling abortions. Yeah. And when we come back, Heath will be here and I won't. You'll be all kinds of confused. So we've been avoiding this like that novel your stoner friend is working on. But alas, there's no more stalling. We read another section of David Icke's book, Everything You Need to Know But Have Never Been Told. So where did we leave off? Well, that's a Zen koan that requires a lifetime of sitting still in a turquoise jumpsuit to answer. But I will give it my best shot. So here we go. Reality can't pee when you're looking. Mm-hmm. Everything and nothing is holograms. David Icke is going to be anti-Semitic at least 867 more times based on a control F. Time and space are a hoax. Yeah. But also hoaxes are a hoax, so it's confusing. And the number line is a hoax, so it's extra confusing. Also, Doctors are constantly talking to sick people, which is highly suspect. <laughs> and of course, something, something waveform oscillation waves. Did I miss anything important? Oh, oh, uh, how about the fact that our protagonist is a stock photo of a raindrop? A raindrop, yes, that is correct. <laughs> Very That important. photo is doing a lot of work in this yeah, book. Yeah, certainly more than David Icke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to chapter two. The inversion. So this is where David Icke tries to establish his religion as the correct alternative to all the silly religion out there. He says, reality is one gigantic inversion, and there's no better example than mainstream religion. So religion is the best example of reality? (laughs) That's, I think that's what he's saying, but reality (laughs) is a hoax. 
So now he's going to explain how all the major religions inverted something. And it all started when he had a conscious awakening after his, quote, download. Remember on that hill in Peru oh, when, yeah. when he clearly got struck by lightning and he pretended it was a magical revelation <laughs> instead? He had to tell his cab driver, he's like, yes, I went out in the storm just now and I shat myself. I think I had a <laughs> revelation download. That led to, quote, historic levels of public ridicule. So he makes mad at everybody making fun of him. Okay, David, I actually feel like religion is not the opposite of that time you looked like an idiot on TV. If if anything, it just is that time you looked like an idiot on TV. <laughs> and he choked on the cookie as yep. soon as he started his interview. Immediately. The best. Okay. So long. <laughs> well, so long. Here comes the international Jew segment. But mm. he doesn't drop the J-bomb quite yet. No. He says, those who appear to be in power in politics, corporations, banking, media, science, medicine, religion, etc., are only agents and pawns, some knowingly, most unknowingly, of a force operating from the shadows and pursuing an agenda of global human control. And it's just like in real books that... He has definitely really read, like, 1984 and Brave New World, so he mentioned I that. also have this library card. No big deal. <laughs> Not everyone gets one. Also, I just want to throw this out there. Hey, podcast listener, have a fun little moment here. Pause the podcast. Write down what you think the force behind the power in politics is, because we're going to get to it in this chapter. And if you just unpaused and didn't write down serpent face, multidimensional being made out of a lady's sad feelings, you were incorrect. Who is also an international Jewish person somehow. Yeah, yes. also Jewish. <laughs> and this is when he started seeing all the reptilian people when he was walking around. And the classic, quote, greys of alien legend. So he published The Biggest Secret and Children of the Matrix exposing those lizard aliens. And he says, quote, more mass ridicule followed. That's true. But by then, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> so he, keeps, he keeps taunting the people making fun of him. It's the best. Okay, but that implies that he gave a shit when he came out dressed like if the thing from the Fantastic Four had worked in a healing crystal shop. Now I'm confused, David. Now I'm confused. All right, you ready to get a little more confused? This is when he took some ayahuasca in Brazil, and his knowledge of the universal fabric was complete. Can I just say, the war on drugs wasted their messaging and their money. If they had focused on how many people on drugs turn into insufferable douches instead of <laughs> overdosing on a gas station or shooting your friend in the face with a drawer gun, like, this would be a drug-free nation if they had just used David Icke as their example. There you go. Nancy Reagan, come on, listen up. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the first subsection of Chapter 2 called... Using your noose, nouse, nose, something like that, N-O-U-S, using your nose or going beyond it, question mark. That's the name of the subsection. <laughs> so Ike tells us about how a few years ago he learned about the real physics from the Nag Hammadi manuscripts, which were written by the Gnostic people of ancient Egypt. No, they weren't. And, <laughs> <laughs> and gnosis, which is, you know, the, the base of that word means secret knowledge so secret 
Secrets. Okay. But guys, like, the Nag Hammadi are literally just the time someone found an ancient jar full of ancient David Icke's book. <laughs> like, it's not even outside of Judeo-Christian mythology. It's just the bad chapters the Pope cut for time. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying there's nothing. It's fine. So, according to him, the Gnostics realized that true awakening meant expanding your awareness beyond your nose or your brain stuff no. and into your pneuma, None your of this. infinite self. None of this correct? is the Gospel of Thomas. It's None nothing. of this is correct. None of this is in there. Well, he also mentions that the Catholics were terrified by the Gnostics. Okay, that's true. Gnostic, that is true. <laughs> because the Gnostics knew that God was the source of evil that created the material world, which is actually just holograms. They could see through the illusion of, quote, matter by using psychoactive potions that, quote, took them out there. <laughs> so that's why the Catholics were afraid. And that brings us to the next subsection called the Gnostic All That Is. So apparently the Nag Hammadi said all the stuff that David Icke was already thinking. Like, he already had done that, but they said the same thing. They confirmed it. For example, yeah, right. <laughs> For example, they talk about the Father, which means infinite awareness, all possibility, all potential. Hmm, that is meaningless word salad. You, you might be thinking, isn't that meaningless word salad? <laughs> yeah. So... Here's the full context from the manuscript. Oh, there's context here. Okay. Yeah, no, well, I'll give you the context. This is from the Nag Hammadi. Quote, he is an incomprehensible one. This is the father. He is an incomprehensible one, but it is he who comprehends all. He receives them to himself, and nothing exists outside of him, but all exist within him, and he is boundary to them all as he encloses them all, and they are all within him. You already said that a few times. It is he who is father of the aeons existing before them all. There is no place outside of him. Are we sure they aren't describing Goatsy? Because it feels like a description of Goatsy. <laughs> okay. So that did not clear it up for you. No. So, yeah. Point being, mainstream religion is stupid. And Okay. okay yeah, sort of. That, you got that part right. Uh, it's all about the father who is everything. And just in case you're still confused, we've... We get a visual no, aid. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, we do get a visual aid, but absolutely not to what it's saying. I guess figure 79. It's just a bunch of stars with the father typed in the middle in like word Arial art. font. It's word art, ladies and gents. The book that has inspired QAnon and the attempted overthrow of our government has Microsoft <laughs> word art in it. But Heath. What's an Aeon? <laughs> okay, don't be confused by Aeon. It doesn't mean a long time like it actually does mean. It means bands of perception, reality, and potential. So you got the upper Aeons. We should we should explain there's, there's multiple types of them. You got the upper ones and the lower ones, and they're separated by a, <laughs> by a curtain so you don't mix them up. Oh, I, it's like first class on an airplane, but with bands yep. of reality and potential. And isness, so, yep. Mm -hmm. oh, so you know what? Just first class it's, on an airplane. It's, there you go. it's the isness of first class. Yep. Yeah. So the upper aeons are all that is in awareness of itself. 
So imagine concentric circles expressing the oneness of their creator. No. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. You can't make No, them. don't do that. Don't do that. That's dumb. <laughs> the Gnostics called these upper aeons the silence, the silent silence, and the living silence with watery light. Yeah. And if you need another visual aid, figure 80 is a bunch of stars with the silence typed in the middle in Ariel Vaughn. People, he didn't even pick a different word art. We're working <laughs> so much harder to read this book than he did to write it. He has so much money. He has so much money. Just stars and text in the middle of it. Yep, twice in a row there. I want to be a bad guy, Heath. Also, Can we be bad guys? <laughs> I have word art on my laptop. I'll I'll play soccer. I played soccer. I was a goalie too. Isness. I could try. I, I love isness. Isness <laughs> is the fucking best. Okay. How to succeed in isness without really trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if David Ike just kept looking at us, like winking at the camera, this would make a little more sense. He doesn't though. That's not what he's doing. No. Okay, but he also explained that um, this is not to be confused with our so-called light. So the, the the watery light in the the aeons, you don't want to confuse that with our light, which is quote a trap like energetic flypaper. But that's for later. <laughs> he actually said that. The important takeaway: time and space are a Ponzi scheme. So, if the most Informational books have twist endings. They do not. I feel nope. like they're not supposed to have twist endings. <laughs> we'll get to there that. There needs to be like actual pins in this book with like yarn <laughs> leading to another page like 12 chapters later. <laughs> After this commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we have the next subsection called The Error. So the fall from grace in the Bible is all wrong. That's the point of That's this. That's true. <laughs> It was a woman's fault, according to this part, but that's the only part they got right, according to David Icke. The Gnostics knew the real deal. The father, the infinite awareness, had a splinter awareness called Sophia, and she created our physical reality without permission, like a dumb lady. Oh, uh, I get it. My wife buys plants, and I'm like, oh, come on. She's like, what? It's nice. And I'm like, Pss. Yeah, it's, it's just right like in that. the living room. It's just like, it's like that. that. <laughs> so <laughs> Sophia created our reality without her man consort to balance it, so it's all fucked up. Sure. And the evil manipulation force in our reality is what mainstream religion calls the devil or Satan. Or what David Icke calls Jewish bankers. Jewish yeah, bankers. I get it. Yeah, yep. it's all coming together. <laughs> so uh, he only implied that so far, but he will literally say that a whole bunch of times coming up. So the universe that Sophia made, uh, try to follow me here, it turned into a lion-faced serpent. I am lost. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, she created the universe. Lion-faced serpent pops up. She knows she's going to get in trouble now, so she threw it out of the upper aeons, and now that is the lower aeons where we are. Okay, are you picturing just like an interdimensional god force trying to flush a reality down the toilet before its parents get home? Just like, coming! <laughs> That's the story of the Gnostics, and, well, at least according to David Icke. So the lion-faced serpent is called Yaldabaoth. By the way, and I hope he gets a nickname later that makes no fucking sense. Yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Yaldabaoth, 
created rulers for the lower aeons called archons, and they are made of smokeless fire. Sure. Yep. Well, in Islam, they're called jinns, and in Satanism, they're called Satan, just just the one. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. They all get a break <laughs> in the Christian world. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have the section called Realms of Down Here. So we're living in one of the seven bad copy lower aeons where the energy is all fucked up and shitty because um, Sophia made it. Sure. And figure 81 shows us what that looks like. Doesn't he? <laughs> it, well, it shows us a lion-faced serpent who is... Removing a, I believe, skin tag from the original Earth universe in the upper.